Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate forced social interactions with my co-workers. And my name is Kyle and today I hate social media. I know the story of you hating social media. Yeah. And I feel like the general hatred towards social media is that's just like applicable in anything. But there's a specific circumstance for your hatred of social media. I don't know if you want to get into that or not. Well, especially because, to be honest, I'm not like, like I'm on your side, but like I get why it happened. So I don't know if we want to get into that because I don't want you to get mad at me. Well, okay. <laughs> so I was arguing with someone in the Giant Bomb Facebook group about Fallout 76, as per mm-hmm. the usual, and um, I said something quippy that was probably not tonally the nicest politically, most like constructive way I could have put whatever I said. And so someone came back and was like, yeah, says the guy with a fallout profile picture. So I fucking let that dude have it a little bit. I was like, Hey, fuck you. Have a nice day. And then he's like, I hope you look back later and feel really silly. I was like, I won't because I have more shit to deal with right now. More important shit than your fucking feelings or whatever. And then like 30 seconds later, I was banned from the group. Um, so I've been a member for several years and I was never given a warning. So, and the mods just banned me off of that interaction alone, um, without ever talking to me or letting me know, like I had to try and reach out through multiple different people, um, which was difficult to do because Facebook, like when you're not in the group anymore, you don't know the people. So I was like trying to think on who the mods names were and stuff and find them. Um, and then people like have their privacy stuff set for like they can't be searched and all that so i managed to find someone uh through twitter actually um and get with him that way and kind of chatted with him about it he's like yeah you've been warned multiple times i was like that's not true but at that point i was like you know what the only reason i log on to facebook is for this group and this group just makes me mad all the fucking time i'm just angry like all day on this thing and like, I don't use it to keep in touch with people like I always tell myself I do. I have the people's phone numbers who I care about, and they have my number. And I mm-hmm. have, like, emails and ways to reach out. There's nothing constructive in my life that I'm gaining from Facebook other than a place to store photos. Um, like, every once in a while, I'll write something I think is funny, and a couple people will like it. But mostly it's just scrolling for memes. And then I was using the Facebook group for gaming news because they would kind of aggregate stuff from multiple sites Uh, so i was getting it for that too but then like it was in a forum in which i was able to express myself and see other people expressing their opinions on it and that usually ended up in a negative way and so i was like you know what i'm just done with social media so i logged out of all my accounts i didn't delete anything but i've logged out of all my accounts i took it off my phone logged out of my work computer home computer and I have not been on social media at all for, like, 12 days, mm-hmm. something like that. It feels fucking it great. F- yeah. It feels yeah. fucking phenomenal. <laughs> um, well, especially because, like, I have some not-so-great stuff going on um, uh, with my wife's health and all that um, that I won't get into. But um, so it's giving me more, uh, like, mental... Because it, it was very taxing being on social media, like, mentally. Right. And so, like, all of that energy, I'm now able to, like, redirect uh, her way in, in other directions. So, uh, all in all, 
feel pretty good about being off social media. So, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I said a shitty thing, but people have said significantly worse in that group with no repercussions. Also, I've been a really, like, active and supportive member in the past. Right. And the fact that they never talked to me, like, that's shitty. But at the end of the day, the mods are just people, too. And, like, they don't have the time to sift through all this stuff. So, like, they get a report and there are thousands of people in that group. So, they just take care of it. So, I get it from there. Um, and when I talked to them about it, I was not nice because I was still angry. Um, mm. So, there was no reason for them to want me back in the group anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't want to be back in the group. I don't want to be on social media like for a very long time and I feel really, really good about it. So I just like, instead of loading up my Facebook app to look at gaming news, I load up game informer or I load up like polygon or right. I now have a shortcut to the hard times. Um, <laughs> okay. Because like they do their, like the onion articles, but for gaming, sure. um, and I if have, you haven't checked out the hard times, highly recommended. Yeah, it's they, they are hilarious. So, um, like, I just have those links on my phone now. Instead of loading up Facebook, I just load up those and scroll through them real quick. If there's something that interests me, I read it. If not, I close it, and then I am engaged with whatever is going on actually in real life. So, yeah, seeing you like quit off of social media has you know made me think of how I use social media because it's a lot of the same. Like, I feel like we like to think that social media is an escape for us. Like, it's a way to interact and get out of our shit lives and, like, watch other people's lives and communicate with other people. Yeah, and I but think I it like can that's not, be, but that's, that's not how we yeah, use but it. That's, right. That's not really what happens. No. People just yell at each other on the internet. That's what social media yeah. is. And we yell at each it's other just, on there because we, like, for various reasons... Uh, like socially or with your job or whatever it may be, you can't yell at people in real life. Yeah. So you just yell at them over the internet. Yeah. So I like I am uh, changing the way that I interact with social media, and I've been doing it for the past like several months. So like on Facebook, so I'm in the Giant Bomb group too. I engage in there a lot, and just like you, I get angry at people in that group a lot. On both sides of the fence, people that are way too protective and, like, they think they're so open-minded and forward-thinking, but anything that is different than what they believe, they think you are a devil, versus the other people that are, like, very old-school and closed-minded in the opposite way, where they want things to always be the same as what they thought they used to be. And it's just, like, what, what about the people that are, you know, rational adults in the middle that are trying to, like, have an open-minded conversation with others, and then people just yell at you? And the number one rule in that group is don't be a dick. And that's where it came down for you. Yeah. Like, you said, a, you said a, a mean thing in an aggressive way. That piece of shit straw-manned me, though, and that's what set me to- off. Yes, I under, I get it. So fuck him. And I, Wherever and he I am, is, I don't even remember his name because he doesn't matter anymore. Right, but okay, still fuck him. Okay, okay. You're you have moved past <laughs> this. You have gone. You have moved. You're you're beyond this argument. We, we don't need to go back into that argument. I'm gonna sip it's on my crush orange. It. Good, good for you. But the point <laughs> the point is, I'm not using social media the way that like ideally people think they want to use social media. Right. So, like, when I look at Facebook, like, I'm not interacting with old friends. I've unfollowed 99% of my Facebook friends because I don't give a shit about what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. Right. People that I went to high school with that I didn't even talk to in high school, why the fuck do I care that they went to some bar on Friday night and they're posting pictures with their friends whom I have never met nor will I ever meet? 
why would I care about that? This obsession with other people's lives has never made sense to me. And that's what social media has become. So I'm looking, why am I on here? And it's because, one, I get my gaming news on Facebook because I follow like IGN and places. But I've set up a rule for myself. I literally, I am, I do not allow myself to open the comments Anything IGN posts, I look at the headline. If it seems interesting, I will click the link and read the article. But I would never, ever look at the comments. Right. Because invariably, it's just going to be a, a fucking cesspool. shit show of awfulness. And I use it for the Giant Bomb Facebook group, where there are a lot of people that I like to engage with. And I still get enough out of that to stay on it. But I'm reaching a boiling point where, like you, I just get mad and frustrated at some of the stuff that I see posted in that group. Yeah. So it's just I'm not sure that it's worth it anymore. Twitter's easier for me because I, the only thing I do on Twitter is I occasionally post something I think is funny or I interact with a lot of people in fantasy football. And the people I interact with from fantasy football are all cool. Like they're all like good dudes because I've been able to weed out the shitty people. So they're like I'm fine on Twitter. That's all there really is. But even there it's like am I really getting the value out of this? I just I don't know, man. Social media, it's it's terrible. Yeah. It is it is, a, it is a terrible thing. It is. It's bad. Because it's it's not it is so rarely used for the passing on of valuable information and it's just yeah. being inundated with useless bullshit. Um, right. So, I feel significantly better now. I would urge a lot of other people to just like give it like 3 days. No social media for three days and then just like look back at how you spent those three days and be like, yeah, I was way more productive. I did stuff I haven't been doing in a while or I feel like I'm getting ready to be able to do those things again. And I don't know that that's how I feel. Yeah, the thing and I'm not saying this is an excuse to not do it. But the thing that gets tough for me is like my heaviest social media uses are in the morning when I'm lying in bed, when I don't want to get out of bed, when I am like you know, binging a TV show like Scrubs that I've seen a million times, I'm on it. Or when I get bored at work, I'll like open Twitter for a couple minutes or open Facebook or whatever. So it's not like I'm spending a significant amount of time in my normal life doing it. There are very specific thing or very specific periods of time where I check social media, where if I didn't check social media, I don't know what I would do. Like, what am I going to do if I get bored at work? What am I going to do when I'm laying in bed for 20 minutes in the morning? That's why I have the shortcuts to those websites. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'll and then you it. just never scroll past the article to look at those comments. <laughs> right, exactly. Because those comments are going to be just as bad. Comment. The comment section is bad in literally anything. Yes. <laughs> never read the comments, ever. Do you have a comment section on Shea Hates Everything? I do. You should just get rid of it. Not that anyone's <laughs> no, really I... posting in it, but just in case. Right. Well, Let's start a new I... trend. With Shay, I get, I get no comments. I get, I get comments every once in a while, and they're they're like normal comments because my site's that's not good. big enough where I'm getting people arguing with each other. Right. So that's been fine. Um, but speaking of, let's dive into some stuff because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. True. So games and shows and books and whatnot that we've been engaging with. So I. Finished the second Spyro game, Ripto's Rage. I actually had more of it left than I thought last last episode. So I had a whole other world still. Because, like, I got to the new world. It reintroduced Ripto where I was like, hey, you're going to fight me. And that's when I thought, oh, I was like, oh, okay, I'm right before the boss battle. But I still had a whole area to explore and, like, five or six different um, 
levels to complete. So that took me, you know, another couple of hours to do it. And then I, you know, beat Ripto. I beat him on my second try, which I'm glad of because it was the same thing as in the first game where it's like a multi-tiered boss battle where you have to start over if you fail at any tier. So the first time I failed on the second tier because he's on this like monster rhino sort of animal thing. And the one of your allies is flying above you and he drops power-ups. And the only way you can damage Ripto is by capturing three power-ups and it gives you a special ability where you can hurt him. Like an extra powerful, powerful, powerful flame or you can run really fast and hit him or you can spit a poison glob thing at him. The problem is the monster can also pick up those power-ups. And the issue that I came across in both times that I fought him was my ally just kept flying in a little mini circle right by Ripto. So, like, he would drop a power-up literally right in front of the enemy and then drop (laughs) another one right in front of the enemy. And I'm like, dude, like, you're supposed to be helping me here. Why are you – and it's like a big circular area. And he's just – wherever the enemy goes, he just drops it right fucking by the enemy. So, the first time, I just – I, like, hardly picked up any power-ups at all and I just – eventually got worn down and got hit too many times because I couldn't do any damage to him. The second time, I finally got past it, and then he's on this, like, pterodactyl thing where you're flying around and shooting fireballs at him. Anyway, it was a fun boss battle, but that middle section was quite frustrating because, like, it was like the mechanics were broken. Like, the AI of the my ally was broken or something. <laughs> so, that, that was tedious. That does frustrating. But um, I... I enjoyed the second game less than the first just because i like the structure of the first game where you're just rescuing dragons and that's rescue dragons collect gems that's it the second one it's like oh you collect these talismans and oh you do these special little side activities to get these other orbs plus you're getting gems and there's just you know we talked last episode about that little metroidvania part where you're unlocking new abilities where you have to go back back, to the world and i just don't want to do that so um but had a had a really good time with both games. I'm gonna take a little bit of a break before I dive into the third one, just so I don't like totally burn myself out of Spyro. But I'm looking forward to seeing what additional gameplay changes they made in the third game because I don't really have a huge recollection for it. I also started the Spider-Man Turf Wars DLC, which is the second part of the City Never Sleeps pack. Uh, so. Um, last episode, I think we talked about the first one, and I liked it, but they introduced that new minigun enemy that was really annoying. Well, the minigun guys are still in the second one, <laughs> and they introduce another new enemy type Quest that is kind of like... guns. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> but he's kind of like all of the enemy types in one. Uh. So there are jetpack enemies, which he has now. There are shield enemies, which he has. There are these, like, electric whip enemies, which he has. So he's like all of the enemy, all of the harder enemy types in one. And they are also really not fun at all to fight. Because when you get in a room and there are like two or three of them, plus a minigun guy, plus five or six regular dudes with guns and batons and everything else, like there's just so much crap going on that when you fight those big groups of a lot of high-powered enemies, you have to use your gadgets. You need to use, like, the web bombs and your special abilities and the electric webs and your little spider drone that shoots electricity at guys. Like, you have to use that if you want to succeed. And these new enemy guys, they're electric whip dudes. When they hit you, or they can, like, drop these, like, electric bombs that 
create a line of electricity where if you get hit by those, you can't use your web or your gadgets for like a set amount of time. Oh, jeez. And that makes them like impossible to fight. So anyway, I just got really frustrated with the combat. And so I just kind of, I'm, I stopped playing. I might go back to it because I do want to see the story. And I think the third DLC is coming out relatively soon. It was recently announced. Um, but I just, I'm not having fun with it anymore. And in the base game, the combat was so much fun. And it had a decent amount of challenge to it, especially in the later levels. But just right now, I'm just, I'm not having fun with the combat. And it's not worth my time to see what's going to happen in the story. Because I just, I'm frustrated. And I keep dying. And that I don't want to do that. Do you think it's just that, like, you've done so much of the combat that it's, like, you're still kind of doing the same things, like the same rock, paper, scissors with the different types? It's just now you have to do it more often. Um, Maybe. I do feel like I'm having to use my gadgets more than I did in the base game. Like, in the base game, if I just wanted a hand-to-hand, guys... I could get through a fight with that. And using the gadgets was just like for fun and for self-experimentation and to keep it fresh. In these fights now, like I have to use my gadgets. Otherwise, I have no chance of winning. Okay. And and that's just because, like I said, like the mechanic to let me not use gadgets and then the gadgets are really ineffective against the Gatling gun guys. We're like, I just I feel really underpowered now which is stupid because I'm max level playing late game DLC. I should feel really powerful. Right. And I just feel like I'm not able to do damage against a lot of these guys. So that's kind yeah. of a bummer. It is. Um, so since I st- said, Hey, I'm going to put this back on the shelf. I have played three new games. So I started smash. I started Assassin's Creed Odyssey and donut County. So what game should I what game should I talk about first? Um, let's get Smash out of the way. Okay, because you don't care about Smash. That's right. Nice. I actually haven't played a ton of it because part of my problem is because I'm playing by myself and I'm not really interested in playing online. You can only do so much in the like standard, you know, ad hoc Smash mode because I'm just playing against computers. You know, like right. it eventually kind of loses a little bit of the fun. But I did experiment with the eight player mode because I never played the version on Wii U, which is where they introduced the eight player. So I just wanted to see that. And it's, like, completely unmanageable and insane. Like, eight creatures jumping around. Just, it's completely nuts, but fun. I haven't started the World of Light mode yet, which I'm going to dive into uh, soon. Because I want to see kind of, like, how that's structured. But there's a lot of complaining about how long it takes to unlock all the dudes. Because they're, like, 60 or 70 characters. And you start, I think, with eight so my, my buddy Connor said that you can actually unlock almost all the characters in two hours, but you have to like, like game a, the system a yeah, little bit yeah. and that I don't want to, I just don't want to bother with that. That seems tedious. Sure. So I will say like, it will take a long time and you can unlock them in the world of light mode as well in a different order. But in the, if you're just playing the regular ad hoc battle mode, like every two to three matches. And I do like, I typically do like a three stock. That's kind of my thing. Every two to three matches, I can unlock a guy. So, like, I'm unlocking them at a pretty rapid pace. It's just that there are so many characters that it's still going to take a while. The actual... Because, you know, you always... When you unlock a new character, you have to fight that character one-on-one. And part of what sucks is, for me, because there are so many characters and I haven't played the game in a long time, I'm, like, using a different dude every single time I play. Now, I'm not sticking to, like, one or two characters that I love. 
So sometimes when I unlock a new character to fight them, I'm playing a character that I don't really know how to use all that well. Right. And when you fight the characters, they're extra hard versions. So I've lost a couple times, which is annoying because then you have to wait. You have to go into a separate menu mode to like challenge them again, and then you can use whoever you want. So that process is just a little bit annoying. But um, yeah, I mean, it's Smash. It's been a really long time since I've played Smash, so I'm, I'm getting that nostalgic feeling back in addition to just playing all, all those same old worlds with all the old music, just in a much prettier uh, setting. I will say I'm struggling a little bit with the controls just because I've only ever played Smash on a GameCube controller and now I'm playing with a, you know, Switch controller. You can get uh, that. I have the You can get the GameCube controller. I can. Yeah. For this I feel one like game. I should have I should have a GameCube controller somewhere. It might be in like mom's attic or something though. Uh but I'm playing with the like pro controller or whatever they call it where you slot in the two joysticks into the main base right but it still like doesn't feel totally the same and i had to change um my controls a little bit to match what i remember of old smash so that's taken a little bit of like getting used to time but it's just i'm just having a really good time with it uh it's you know the concept of the game is just a really good concept for a video game it's just fun to pick a nintendo character and beat the shit out of a bunch of other nintendo characters (laughs) So, what about you? You you doing anything so I can take a little break from talking about stuff? Um, I have not played any games. I just play Animal Crossing for like 15 or 20 minutes a day, and that's all I've done. Yeah. So, um, you get I, any more, uh, get any I more got cards? The, uh, no, <laughs> I have not bought any more Amiibo cards. Um, Good for you. I bought the Steam Link because right. they were trying to sell out of stock, so it was $2.50. Nice. Um, plus shipping, which was a few bucks. But so I got the Steam Link, um, and I went ahead and set it up in my living room. I have not played anything on it yet, but I got a game running. Um, uh, but uh, I have not, I have not tried playing anything on it yet. So I'm not. Sh- the latency when I was mo- just moving around like the menu of the game didn't seem horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed it was definitely better than when I was playing Destiny Two on the Vita at your right. apartment, <laughs> um, right. like half the United States away. Um, so I mean, it, the latency wasn't terrible, but I can definitely tell like first person shooters might be playable, um, but definitely not competitive first person sure. shooters. Um, but I, like the kind of games I would want to play are like you know like the XCOM and and those types of games that are more yeah strategy based. Um, and the Steam Link, all it does it's is just streaming it is the video, streaming your PC onto a television. Correct. Yeah, and then it's like and, taking the controller input uh, and then yeah. sending it to my computer. So, could you hook up your keyboard and mouse to your TV and use it yeah. that way as well? Yep. Okay. Um, just like obviously, you know, then I have to unplug it from my computer, yeah. and that's or get more a complicated one. to do with my setup than it should be. Yeah. Or or right. exactly get another set of keyboard and mouse and then like find a way to mount pegs and my entertainment system and store them somehow i don't know (laughs) i don't know but yeah i'm sure i'll mess with that in a little while um uh also like the resolution didn't seem super great Hmm. uh on the tv like blowing it up that large and also seemed like it because it seemed like maybe it was streaming at 720p and not 1080 got it um, and maybe there's like some more complicated stuff going on behind the scenes where like it's 
I don't know what I don't know what the terms are because like in Destiny when I was streaming on the Vita, parts of the screen would be blurrier than others at times. Right. So it was like compressing only certain parts of the screen just to like make the best use of the bandwidth, and maybe this does some of the same stuff. But uh, I haven't messed around with it enough to be able to tell. Um, I I read a lot because this past weekend I worked thirty hours for an event, so I was at the school like the whole weekend. Um, so I read a lot. I read The Walking Dead Volume 30, which is the most recent volume. I think Volume 31 mm-hmm. comes out in March. Um, that comic is still very good, even 30 volumes in. It is still <laughs> very, very good. Uh, and then so I, what's going on? What's going on in the story with that With that right now? So, like, they've taken care of, like, the zombie problem isn't really a problem anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they've got that under control. Um, they're How? all still... Like there aren't as many zombies now because it's been long enough, and like so do, they the, have their do methods the zomb- down. Do the zombies die off eventually, or do they have to kill the zombies? I think eventually, like they kind of waste away if they don't find a. So food it's like source. a like a forty days later. Yeah, thing, but they're like they'll like starve several years later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, where they eventually they starve. Um, they they still live in that community that they do in the show. You know that like small neighborhood that they have like walled off and stuff where. Um, I think they get there in the show. Maybe I'm literally just remembering the comics. But don't they have mm-hmm. like kind of a neighborhood set up in the show? Yeah, that's where they come across like the like uh, Negan, Negan, right? Yeah, yeah. So they still no, have... it's not Negan because I haven't seen that. It was uh, it was a different thing. But yeah, it was like a little town community of, of folks. Well, that's the go- like that's the governor three. you're talking the governor. about. Yes, this is so governor. this is after the governor. They come across like a neighborhood and they like. It, Either the neighborhood already has walls, or they put walls up around it, and like they are growing. Well, crops that's what it stuff. was like. The governor, because I've only seen like through season three, right? I haven't but this seen is this is like stuff. after that, it's a different town, gotcha. a, a different neighborhood setup. Because the governor, he had like a didn't he have like a football stadium, and it was kind of like the middle of like an old quaint town with like some brick buildings yeah, and stuff, like I think actual so. streets and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So this is like a, a suburban neighborhood. That they kind of walled off. Got it. Um, yeah, I honestly, oh, I don't know how far I got in the show. Maybe they got there. Maybe they didn't. But anyways, they're in this like neighborhood community, and there's all this shit that happens. There's a horde that comes through that they have to redirect, and like that was really fascinating to read about and like super crazy. Like several people die. They come across like the hilltop community, and then there's another community with the king who has a tiger. Um, and like all a bunch of shit goes down there and then they kind of like get life back to normal uh but some a lot of the people are kind of spread out between a few different communities now like the main characters mm-hmm. are like i think maggie is leading the hilltop or something um and then um uh they w- one of the guys who i don't think is in the show um he gets like a radio transmission from like this woman who represents a group of like a community basically um and he's like trying to talk to her and like get her to tell them where they are so they can go like communicate and all that kind of stuff and and so that kind of pans out and they wind up like in this volume they meet that community for the first time and i don't want to spoil it because the the reveal is kind of awesome but Mm. the community is nuts like in a good way um Mm. And but there's also like some really shitty classist stuff going on with that community because okay. they're like that community is trying to um, 
put into place a lot of the systems that existed before the things happened where it's like very like because our world is very classist like the wealthy have a lot more opportunities than the poor and so like their kind of setup is whatever job you had before it's you get a similar level of job now and a similar level of pay so like the people who were important before are now yeah elevated again um, and so like, there's some shitty class of stuff that goes on there, but there's like a character that you didn't expect to find who has survived and is there, um, which is really awesome. And there's kind of like a reunite, uh, a reuniting between a couple characters. Um, and there's just some really, really interesting things happening. Um, yeah, that comic is great, man. It's still really <laughs> good. Way better than the show ever was. Um, so I read that. And that only, I mean, it's like a, a trade, so it's takes me like 40 minutes. So the thing I did with the other 29 hours and 20 minutes that I worked, um, <laughs> I read, I started Joe Abercrombie Has Another Trilogy. Um, it says it's young adult, but there's like a lot of sex and stuff going on and like some really graphic shit. Um, Sounds like young adult to me. Yeah. Old adults don't have sex. <laughs> <laughs> Fact. Um I don't remember what the trilogy is called. I'm looking at it right now, and I don't know. Um, but it's it's three books. It's uh, half a king, half the world, and then um, half a war. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read half a king and half the world, and now <laughs> I am like a quarter way through half a war. So I'm at an eighth of a war. Nice. <laughs> um, and both of those books were. Let me look real quick. Not to brag, both of those books were like 500 pages long, so I read both of those. You're so smart, dude. I know. Like you're the smartest. Yeah. Just like, like why words. wouldn't the Facebook group want me? Whatever. Words are so easy for you. <laughs> words are so easy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast can say that words come easily to me. I struggle to remember <laughs> them all the time. Um, but yeah, those books are fucking phenomenal. So it's it's not. I don't think it takes place in the same universe as um, his other trilogy. Oh, God. The, like, before they were hanged and, and stuff like that, with where it had the three other books that also took place in the same uh, universe but were different characters in different time periods. Um, okay. It's fantasy. And there's that trilogy has some magic. This trilogy has quote-unquote magic but is clearly, like, post-post-post-apocalypse um it's like what is post 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 apocalypse so post is there another post apocalypse is like surviving the aftermath post post is is like um horizon zero dawn Dawn. the beginnings of civilization post 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 is like a medieval uh uh, civilization has risen after the ashes of an apocalypse so post 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 would be like a renaissance normal well, I would say, I mean, you're, that's like two. That'll become too many posts. Okay, I get the whole medieval as post, post, post. So I would say post, 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 post is like regular second life. civilization. Yeah, like not not like advanced, not like the future again, but, but like, like present regular again. Life. Yes, gotcha. post, 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 post apocalypse is would future be like again. Future, yeah, more advanced than it was before the, the future apocalypse. that could have happened if there wasn't an apocalypse. Right. Because then you would have to. Because then the apocalypse happens again. Because that's the cycle. So then you're post-apocalypse, post, 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 post-apocalypse. That checks out. <laughs> Put that's a genre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me get uh, let me get cracking on that fiction real quick. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it's it's really really good because it, they, they talk about like elf ruins and elf metal and stuff like that. But it's clearly just shit that humans built forever ago. Right. Um, and they're like they're talking about there's this fight and this woman brings out this elf relic. It's two slotted piece of metals and she inserts one into the other. And there's a flash like th- uh, flash like lightning and a rumble like thunder, like a crack. And like the guys fall down in the distance and everyone's like, oh, <gasps> it's clearly she's just fucking shooting a gun. Um, nice. So cool stuff like that. And like the characters, Joe Abercrombie is a master. Um, he just makes some really, really interesting characters. And he manages to even the quiet moments, he manages to make them feel tense somehow. I don't mm. know how he does it. Just the he's phenomenal. Um, so like the first book is really, really great. It follows um, a prince with a withered hand. Um, who nobody wants. He was going to like renounce his princedom and become like a, a, a monk. Um, mm-hmm. And then some shit happens to his dad and his brother. So he becomes a king. And then all this other shit happens. And he's sure as hell not a king anymore. And he like vows revenge and then comes back. And he's like this, this really, really cunning guy. Uh, and then the next book, uh, Half the World, follows like a couple of younger people that the character from the first book kind of takes under his wing on this mission. And so like, it's always, it's a not now the third book is like another layer removed from that, where it's people they met and characters they introduced like later in the journey during the second book, it follows okay. them and a couple of new people. So it's like, it builds on it. And then you're also seeing, and they happen like one right after another essentially. And so you're mm-hmm. also seeing the characters that you have followed in previous books, just, just like from, from a, a third perspective. person perspective. Yeah. Okay, um, that's cool. not like a third person omniscient. Um, right. Yeah. Very good books. I recommend them highly. So, um, I mentioned before, like some health stuff with my wife. So I took a day off of work to uh, be with her for a little bit and kind of like distract her during that day. Um, cause we were like waiting for cat scan results and stuff. Um, to like distract her during the day, I like took her shopping. So we got like some Christmas stuff, like a lot of Christmas gifts, some new decorations and things. Cause we had, gift cards left over from the wedding um mm-hmm. from like bed bath and beyond and home goods and stuff um so we bought some stuff and then we also went into barnes and noble which is always a bad idea because we always spend money mm-hmm. um right but i actually got a gift from mom there which was great but uh i got oh what is it called i can't read it because I, the reason i bought the book is it's a trilogy and it's fantasy but it's all in one book they've like collected it and the whole thing is like a matte black and then all the lettering is like a glossy black and all of the pages you know how sometimes they do like gold leaf pages that's Mm -hmm. also black so the whole book is black and it looks really cool so that's why i bought it also it was fantasy but you can't read it. I can't read the name on the spine because it's all black. Oh, because it's black. <laughs> but you can't actually read the book. Yes, yeah. Even the pages it's black are white on black. Like page. just the the gilding on the like the the page leaf is black on the outside. So the whole thing looks like a fucking black rectangle. And then you open it, and like the pages are white with letters on them. Oh, I thought you had said the pages were also black. No, just the edges. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But the the text. Okay. The text it on the cover, the cover is the cover glossy is black. black. And Got the it. cover itself is matte black, so I can't read the name of it, and I forget it. Right. It just looked really cool. <laughs> I could get up and find out, but that ruins the mystery. So <laughs> That's uh, fun. I'm looking forward to reading that after I finish Half a War, which it's always good to have, like, well, because I was going to ask, like, what's your next one? So it's it's good, especially for you, because you read so much and so, like, you marathon through stuff yeah. to always know what the next thing's going to be. Yeah, and then I have another trilogy after that. 
by Mark Lawrence. I still have who all read, the same wrote, books before. Yeah, he wrote the the books that you need to read. Mark Lawrence. Prince of Thorns. Prince of Thorns. Yeah, he wrote another uh-huh. trilogy. Um, Prince of Fools, Liar's Key, and something else. Yeah. Is it the same universe? I don't know. I will read all of these books at some point. Maybe maybe once I have my kid and like I'm up late and stuff with her, I'll be able to read as I'm, you know, holding her or doing ever all the other stuff. I just I I don't know. I'm I I like playing video games and I like watching movies and TV shows, and so those always end up trumping sitting down and reading. Even when it comes to comics that happens. Yeah, I don't read at home. I read at lunch at work. Yeah. And then I read of course when I site manage, which is, you know, like in very long chunks every now and then. So Yeah. I used to read at lunch at work, but now just I, I feel weird taking a book out, sitting at my desk. I just feel like even though that's fine, like I'm I get I, I'm salaried, so it's not like I clock out, but I'm still taking lunch. But it still just feels weird. Like if I w- if I went somewhere else and ate and read, it'd be fine. But something about reading a book sitting at my desk feels like I'm doing something wrong. Like I'm breaking the rules or something. I don't know. Break the rules, man. Snap them in half. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be fun anyway because the book I'm reading right now is The Total Money Makeover, which is like a finance planning book. Because Kelly and I are we're doing some finance planning stuff. So Yippee. Yep, it's adult life. But sounds like something dad would like to read. <laughs> well, I think he has read it. He knows the author. I think Dave Ramsey's his name. Oh. But uh, not to go into the details of it, because that's more personal than I want to get. But we have had um, a like we have a couple different debts. Right. So like my, I have a car loan. Kelly still has a student loan. I finished my student loans several months ago, but she still has hers. And we have a credit card debt that we've been carrying from when I didn't have a job. And that's kind of how we subsisted was through that. It sucks, but it was reality for us. And we finally got to a spot where we took like a huge chunk from our savings that we have been saving to buy a house, but we're going to rent a house the next year. So we don't need it for that. And instead of paying X amount of dollars per month, which was a significant amount towards this credit card and barely making a dent, we just took a huge chunk of our savings and paid off the whole thing. Nice. And like that, it, I still feel like nervous about it. Cause sure. having that, having that egg, you know, God forbid something terrible happens. We had all this money. Now we don't have that. That's very scary, but not having to pay all that money per month is awesome and not having, it's just like a, a weight that sits on you when you're in debt. So now like her student loan is pretty reasonable and my car loan is nearing the end of me making payments on that. Like I have less than a year of payments left. So like we're close to being debt free. Obviously when we buy a house, we're going to take on way more debt than we've ever had, <laughs> but at least that's like one thing. Yeah. It's well, it's also a line of debt that you can earn equity in and that's right. a line of credit for you. Yeah. So anyway, that, that all came from this book. Kelly listened to it as an audiobook, and she was like, Hey, this just really connected with me and the whole process of, yeah, having money in your savings is great and feeling like you are saving every month, like putting money in your savings account feels good, but you aren't. Because that money's not yours. If you have $1,000 in your savings account and you owe $2,000 on a credit card, you're $1,000 in the negative. Like you're not saving money. You owe that money. Right. So why not just get rid of it? And then everything you save, you are saving. And it's just a mentality thing that I liked. So we did it. Hopefully nothing bad happens where we get screwed. <laughs> but now like I'm able to save a lot more. And um, yeah, it's, so it's good. But been reading that book. 
It's not something that like I'm gonna be like, yeah, let's dive into the total money makeover and analyze it because <laughs> who gives a shit? But it's been good for us. Um, so as I mentioned, also been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, I'm not like super. It's weird to say I'm not super deep because I've probably put like ten hours into it. That game's just so monstrous. But it, it took a long time to get off of, like, the first island, which was the tutorial island. And it's always just so funny to me. Like, you go through all the tutorializing of the combat and the story and doing quests. And I explored the whole island, did some side quests, found some hidden treasure, all this stuff. And then I re-engaged with the main story, which is where you get your ship and then you start sailing. And as you sail away from the main island, this is, like, at least six hours into the game. Yeah. Then the, the title comes up. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. <laughs> I'm like, that was the prologue, guys? Like, Come on, man. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm having a really good time with it. It it feels hmm, it feels familiar to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. There's more ship stuff than in Odyssey. Because in Odyssey, the ship stuff was more like you're on your little boat. And did you play Assassin's Creed Odyssey? Some of it. Okay. So that is more like you're you're using your little paddle boat to get from place to place and attacking bad guys' boats. And then there are a couple little side story missions where you play as Aya on a ship, which is the traditional ship. Yeah, combat. I think I stopped after that first Aya ship mission. Yeah. So that there's way less emphasis on the ship to ship combat. In this one, it feels more like it's it's more like a, a direct combination of assassin's creed origins and black flag where it's you're doing both pretty equally at least to this point i am in the exploration that i've done but the on ground stuff is exactly like assassin's creed origins the way that the missions are structured the environments feel very familiar it doesn't have the desert stuff obviously but all of the like greek and athenian influences there um so that like I could take or leave a little bit. I really, really enjoyed Assassin's Creed Origins. I really liked Bayek as a character and Aya, frankly. I loved how varied the world was in that game. Going from the desert to the swamp areas to the, like, there's a, a whole city where they worship crocodiles. And it's very, like, Venetian where there's, it isn't actually Venetian, but it's like Venetian. Where there are, like, roads of river. Like, a river is a road through throughout the little city. Just all that stuff was really, really awesome. And... Granted, I'm still early, but a lot of the stuff in this game feels a little bit more samey, where it's more just like wooded hills, open plains, a lot of Greek cities, Athenian cities that both feel kind of the same, a lot of like pillars and shit. So it's like, it's not as interesting from a world perspective, but that might change as I, you know, I've, I've gone over two little pockets of the world and there are like... 18 other pockets that are much larger where I will go. So yeah. I'm sure it, it, it will broaden a bit. Um, but yeah, so I, I chose to play as Cassandra, who's the female character and she's awesome, dude. Like that voice actress and the character just is written really, really well. She's very like no nonsense. Uh, actually, that's not true. Cause she's kind of sarcastic, but she's just like, a badass and she is jacked man like she's taller than most of the other characters even the dude characters and she's just ripped like she's got big arm muscles and she just feels like a badass intimidating spartan warrior and so it's cool to play as her uh i i've heard i had heard that she was much better than the dude so i'm glad i went with her because i'm really enjoying her character i will say that 
part of what was fun about Origins, because, like, the different areas were soft-gated by levels. Yeah. So you could come across enemies that were, like, way higher level, and it would have that skull where they kill you in one hit. But even dudes that, like, were a couple levels above you, you could stealth kill them or find ways to get around them so you could still explore. I feel that's less true in this game. Like, I'm... Granted, I'm early, and I should just stick to the story and do what I need to do, and then I'll explore later. But, like, if you let me go to an island, I want to, like, go to it and see what it looks like and try to explore. And even dudes that are, like, one level above me. So I think I'm level 9 right now. So even coming across a level 10 enemy, he just fucking destroys me. And so that's a little bit, like, frustrating just because I want to see what the game has to offer, and it's really funneling me on the critical path right now. But... It's, it's okay. I'm not, like, super bummed about it. I just want to explore the way that I want to explore. Um, but the main crux of the game... So there are just a lot of systems, right? So, like, there are... They have the, like, mercenary system, which is kind of like... Um, oh, the Shadow of Mordor Nemesis system light. Where, like, you can track down these mercenaries and fight them and like you go up a rank so you're fighting different mercenaries and these other guys can get more powerful and come back to fight you again okay that sort of thing plus there's all the ship to ship stuff um there are in the main storyline whenever you take over a region you have to like weaken it first and to do that you have to do some side missions where like you kill x amount of enemy soldiers or you steal treasure from this guy and then you can go and assassinate the main bad guy which is where i am right now the first time I'm going to go and assassinate the main bad guy. Was there some of that and, in Origins, too? No. Okay, I'm trying to think of what game I put. Oh, Homefront the Revolution. Oh, where you, like, yeah. wore down Yeah, we had to like wear down meter. the thing by doing all this stupid yeah. repetitive... Yeah. Right. And, and this stuff's not repetitive. It's, it's the same stuff you've done before. Like, there's a big enemy base where you need to go in, you need to kill the captain, you need to steal the treasure, you need to light this thing on fire. You, like, it's the same stuff. It's just framed in a way where doing that actively impacts your success rate when you try to go fight the main boss. So from that, like, it's, it's a cool system. It makes it feel more integrated. But there are just so many activities in the game that it's a little bit overwhelming. Uh, and there are, I know there are things that I haven't even got to. So I know once I beat this boss, it will trigger the big war mode, which is like a big battle of Athenians versus Spartans, which obviously I haven't done, but I've seen clips and seen people talk about it, which is a whole other way to engage with one side. Because like in the game, you can kind of pit the Spartans against the Athenians and you can work for both and fight against both. And that... I fear might get a little bit confusing. Yeah. Because one of the things, so like I'm working for the Spartans right now, trying to wear down the Athenians so I can kill the Athenian boss guy. But when I go to a Spartan camp, I can still kill those guys. Like it gives me the like triangle sneak assassinate button on every enemy. And that like, it's the Spartans are red and the Athenians are blue, but there's still like a potential to make a mistake and accidentally hit the wrong guy. And then they'd be all pissed at me. So I just, I don't know. I, I'm i a little bit, confused is the wrong word, but it's just, there's a little bit too much right now. And it seems like there are too many ways to get lost in that tug of war sort of thing. So hopefully as I continue to play and get more used to that like structure, uh, it'll feel a little bit better. But right now it's just a bit much. And then finally, I played and beat Donut County. Super short game. Uh, it's made by Ben Esposito, who used to work at Giant Sparrow, I think it is. Um, 
they made uh, Unfinished Swan and uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so uh, it, it's just a really cute little game. It has a mechanic where I think of it as like it's like an uh, um, an anti Katamari, where instead of like rolling around a ball to collect items, you are moving around a hole to suck up items and like take them off of the the playing field. All right, uh, and as you suck up items, the hole gets bigger and bigger. It has a really cute like aesthetic to it. It reminds me a lot of not visually, but in terms of, like, the characters and stuff of Night in the Woods. Just very, like, quippy characters where Night in the Woods, because it was all text-based, much like this, and everything reads like a text message. Like, LOL, RLY, like, all that kind of thing. And just, like, the witticisms are very short and quippy like you would have in a text. It's kind of a hard thing to describe, but it feels... For anybody that played Night in the Woods, the the writing in Donut County will feel familiar to you. Okay. The characters are also super cute. They're all, like, anthropomorphic animals. Uh, and then you play as... Or one of the main characters is a girl. And then all the others are, like, animals. There are... I don't know if they're supposed to be salt and pepper shakers, but they're called salt and pepper, and they're kind of globular. It, it, it's a weird... It's a weird thing. <laughs> um... But yeah, it's it's super fun, and even for being very short, the game finds creative ways of expanding on the whole whole mechanic, mm-hmm. like H H O L E mechanic. Because um, like, hey, one of them you have to solve a puzzle where you need to get uh, popcorn to pop, so you have to get big enough where you can swallow up a campfire, and then you go underneath the popcorn machine, and it makes it pop because the fire lights it, and you can capture water to move. Uh, items because when you have water in the hole, you don't swallow items. You just hold them in the hole. So you like, oh, water, get a fish, bring it over to a bird. The bird eats the fish. That's how you get rid of that thing. So a lot of like clever ways of using that H-O-L-E hole mechanic. Um, I almost wish, no, I do wish that the game was longer because there's enough creativity and new stuff where like each level you play is different enough where I would have liked you know, three, four, five more levels, I think still would have been really fun and still felt like a concise experience. But it's really fun. Like, it was a just surprisingly engaging game for being such a simple, easy game. Like, it's not hard. It's very kid-friendly, I guess. Um, good, like, parent and kid play together type of game. Okay. So definitely recommend that, especially for how short it is. I At this point of the year in December, when I have a million games to play, which we'll talk about later in the episode, I always appreciate short experiences. Sure. Uh, is the so. mechanic of sucking things into the hole as satisfying as, like, the Katamari? Because rolling stuff up in the Katamari and, like, visually seeing your progress of getting larger, picking up new things, that's super satisfying. So I would say no, because it's not, like... When I say suck into a hole, there's no, like, vacuum happening. It's just you have to line it up to get it to drop. Okay. So there is some satisfaction because a lot of stuff is, like, misshapen, right? So your hole is circular, and so you have to, like, move it around the right way to get it to fall into the hole. And so that takes a little bit of strategy, but it's not the same as Katamari where, like, when you, like, you're not seeing all the elements as you roll, like, all the stuff that's stuck to the ball in Katamari. That's not really happening. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the music is also really good, before I forget. I, I've been thinking, because you know, I'm already planning my Game of the Year stuff. Not already, it's halfway through December. But 
categorically last year I had a best music category because there was a lot of really good music and this year I'm like there hasn't been as much memorable music in games but Donut County really stuck out to me it's very uh each different area has its own unique style of music and then the main story bits the conversations happen like in this big cavern that everyone fell into via the hole and there's like this really eerie slash cute like do 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 like in the background in that it's like it's cute and creepy at the same time it's just really good um okay tv so i know last episode i said i was going to finish daredevil i didn't (laughs) i had four episodes left and i only watched one so i i'm gonna finish it i want to it's really good i just haven't yet and i don't want to talk about it until i finish the whole thing so next episode hopefully but i have watched a lot more scrubs we also talked last episode about me being far more emotional watching this show than I have been and being wary of the whole Brendan Fraser is dead episode. Well, I watched that episode and guess what? I, I cried. I did. <laughs> I, I'm not ashamed. I did. I cried like a little baby and I've seen that episode probably 40, 50 times and it still hit me. I'm also finding, which is interesting... There are a lot of episode storylines and themes that make me angry. Where, like, I feel like the show's message is wrong. Because there's an episode where Turk gets a new boss, like a new surgical, whatever, attending. And it's a woman, and she's very, like, feminist. And this is very early 2000s feminist, which is a totally different feminism from today's feminism. But there, like... I think the character does a disservice to her message because she's a dick. Like, she just is a dick. It's not about her being a woman or her being a feminist. She's just an asshole. Like, she's mean to everybody. She's rude. And she's not really funny. And she doesn't care care about anybody. She doesn't take anyone's opinion. But there's a whole storyline where, like, Turk stands up for her to the Todd, who's, like, making some sexist comment. And she's like, yeah, at least the Todd's open about him being sexist. You're one of those sneaky guys that acts like he says the right things, but you're even more of a sexist than the Todd is. And at the end of the episode, Turk's like, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I am one of those guys. And I'm watching, and I'm like, no, he isn't. Like, he straight up isn't at all. The Like... The way he is with his wife and with the other women that he works with, he's not sexist at all. The show just, like, manipulates his character just for this one storyline so that it can have a message about sexism. And that that annoys me. Because he isn't a sexist character. They just made him one for this. Or made it seem like he was one for this. There's a whole other episode where... Because uh, JD and Elliot hook up all the time, right? Right. So she's dating this dude who goes to Australia or New Zealand or whatever, and she's feeling lonely. JD does something really nice for her, and they hook up again. And JD's like, "Hey, I've been in love with you this whole time. Like, are we together now?" And then her boyfriend shows up, and he's like, "Hey, guess what? I'm back." And so she just ditches JD, like literally minutes after they had sex. She doesn't tell her boyfriend that she's cheated on him. And yet JD is wrong at the end of the episode because he's like, Elliot, you like screwed me over here. You totally used me. I'm in love with you. And you just want me to ignore what just happened. We haven't even talked about what just happened between us. And you just want me to move on and be fine and be your friend and be supportive of you. And yet JD's the one who's in the wrong for this. Not the girl who broke his heart and cheated on her boyfriend. She's not in the wrong. It's him, the victim, that is in the wrong. 
And that, again, I'm just like, that message is bad yeah. of this show. And I love the show. It's fantastic. The characters are so well written. But there are several episodes that are like this where at the end of it, the whole like voiceover of JD, like here's the lesson he learned, where I'm like, that's a bad lesson. That's bad. <laughs> we don't know. No, that's totally wrong. So that's like – and it's interesting because I haven't noticed like, – despite seeing the show dozens and dozens of times, it hasn't really hit me before how vehemently I disagree with some of the messages of the episodes. But on the other side, JD's a shitty person sometimes. Correct. So yes. <laughs> he kind of gets what comes. They all are in certain yeah, spots. Sure. Well, I mean, Turk they're all good people. So, but yeah, they're they're all good people. They just do shitty things sometimes. Right. That's more what it is. Uh, and then finally, so I know I always talk about all these competition shows that Kelly and I watch, the cooking shows and everything else, and we're out now. Like we don't have anything else. So last Saturday, our you know. Well, she can't get drunk, but I I get drunk on Saturday <laughs> still, and she puts up with me. Um, we were trying to find our new show, so we watched an episode of Hell's Kitchen. We watched an episode of Master Chef, which are both ho- hosted by Gordon Ramsay. We watched an episode of The Great British Baking Show on Netflix, which I guess a lot of people love. And we watched an episode of Cake Wars, which is more like a one-off. Each episode is new challengers with a certain baking thing. And in that that episode, it was The Simpsons. So they had to make only Simpsons-themed stuff, which was fun. Okay. But, like, I don't know shit about baking. And so that wasn't as interesting to me as just general cooking was. Right. And I felt the same way about The Great British Baking Show. Also, that show is super British. And, like, I just don't – I feel like I'm watching something from a different planet. Like, or watching a Japanese show where I just don't get any – like, all of that context I miss. Like, they reference things that I don't know, people that I don't know. Their conversations are just, like, culturally, it's just different. Right. So I didn't get anything out of that either. And then Hell's Kitchen and MasterChef are both, like, modern American Ninja Warrior, where it's more about feel-good people and drama than it is the talent, which I've said a million times, the talent is what we care about. Right. So Hell's Kitchen is all about drama. It's all about, it's not about, like, they don't find the best chefs. They find people who cook that are monster people. And they oh. get them in a room and those people fight with each other. That's the show. And I don't want to watch that. Like, I don't want to watch Big Brother or Survivor. No, that's not what I'm looking for. No, we both worked at Chipotle. We know monster cooks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then MasterChef is a little bit different because that's more like, that's the feel good. Where it's just so obvious every time. It's like, oh, this dude makes his mac and cheese. And they're like, I don't know, dude. Like, it was pretty good, but it's just mac and cheese. We have a really tough decision to make. How about you bring your wife and kid in here? We'll ask them if they think you should be on the show. And then we'll make our decision. And I'm like, really? Is anyone falling for this? Like, does anyone think they aren't going to put him on the show as they put his wife and kid in the room and she's sobbing, talking about how amazing of a, of a dad and husband he is? Man. And then they're like, sorry, dude. Nope. But not going to work this time. how good would that be? That's why I like the shows I like. Because those shows I like do not care about that stuff. I talked about this after we watched So You Think You Can Dance. There was a girl that auditioned with a prosthetic leg. She had a prosthetic leg, and she was a dancer, and she was pretty good. And she went and did this routine, and she didn't make the show. They were like, hey, this is so inspiring, such a powerful story. You did such a good job, but you're not quite at the level we need. Sorry, you're not making it. And I was like, yes, thank you. 
Like, I get it. I get why people want the feel-good stuff. They want the biggest loser. We're like, oh, 350-pound fat chick lost 10 pounds. She's a hero. Like, I get why people want that. But it's not fair. <laughs> like, if I'm watching a show that is about a talent, how about the people that are talented win the show about fucking talent? And so... All of that long diatribe to say, Hell's Kitchen, MasterChef, Great British Baking Show, Cake Wars, not going to replace Top Chef or So You Think You Can Dance or all the other shows that we want. So we're still looking for a new competition show, and it sucks. Maybe you guys should start watching some anime. <laughs> those, are, yeah, those are the same. <laughs> anime and competition shows. <laughs> can I tell you about my lord and savior, Hina Matsuri? <laughs> i so, can't yeah. enter your home if you don't invite me in i'm the anime <laughs> that... vampire uh it's also true of the babadook which was a very good movie did we did we watch that yeah, one yeah that here? was the one that we watched with uh yeah. mom and kelly yeah that was a good movie <laughs> it's still every Review time on I hear the name, every time i hear the name i just think a Babadook. Do, 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 do. A Babadook. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that would be that would be pretty good. Like that would have been good for like when the credits roll. <laughs> like yes. after all that's carried us yeah. is fast. <laughs> pretty big tonal shift. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Well, that's everything I've got. I know you didn't like play any games or watch anything, so um, you better do I just, that. I spent some of my time, some of my extra time that I didn't play games. Um, I created gifts for all of my D and D people, Christmas gifts, because. Uh-huh. We were supposed to do a Secret Santa this year, but then mm-hmm. actually we were going to do a Secret Santa last year, and then it turns out one of our friends had already bought gifts for everyone. So we're like, okay, oh. I guess we all got to buy gifts for each other. Let's do it <laughs> next year. This year rolls around. Hey, are we doing Secret Santa? Two of them already bought gifts for everyone. Mm. So, but it was it turned out okay because I made them all a, a thing with Photoshop and stuff for the D and D stuff. So, um, and then I also in between reading all my books. I worked on sketches for set design for this year's musical, which is Beauty and the Beast. Nice. So. Kelly's high school did Beauty and the Beast when she was there. I don't think she was in it, though. I just remember her talking about a guy we went to school with, Bryant, who is a good dude. He's a bit of a, I mean, so he's super handsome and he's ripped and he has a little He's not listening to this, so it's fine. He's a little bit of a ditz, I would say. Okay. And he he played, um, is it Jacques the Candlestick? Is um, that his name? Lumiere. Lumiere, thank you. Yeah, Jacques is a different character, but he played Lumiere, and I guess like he totally forgot the words to the Be Our Guest song. Oh no! And so he was like, so like at one point he was like, Be our guest, be our guest, be our guest, be our guest, be our guest. <laughs> like he just kept saying because it wasn't that specific moment. But anyway, Kelly could tell the story because she remembers it better. But <laughs> that's awesome. <it> pre- <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> that's so anyway Beauty better than my senior year into the woods where we were all supposed to come down on these like, uh, like wooded mounds right in front of the audience and sing the big into the woods number going into like intermission or whatever and yeah. none of us knew the words <laughs> so we're just like into the woods and, out of the woods, and home before <laughs> oh, no. dark <laughs> in front Yikes. of the whole audience yikes yeah high school musicals very good yeah but not high school musical <laughs> no not high school, high school musical, musicals are very good but not high school yes. musical <laughs> All right, so uh, what do you say we talk about some news? No. 
Okay. I'm just not. Thanks to everybody yep, for joining that's us. It, that's today. It. <laughs> There's not a ton. I mean, we, we need to go through because the game awards happened. So that is kind of the biggest chunk. There were a lot of new game announcements and stuff. Yeah. Um, two things that I wanted to talk about related to the game awards before we talk about game announcements. One, God of War won game of the year, which I was pretty surprised by. Yeah. Just from how everybody is all about Red Dead 2, even we, though I think a lot of it's bad. They kept but. like like every category was like, and the winner of Red Dead 2, and the winner of yeah. Red Dead 2, game of the year, God of War. Yeah. I was like, whoa, okay. Uh, so obviously it's, you know, they can say, because it, it's a panel of a bunch of different video out, or uh, gaming outlets, they can think whatever they want. Like their opinion doesn't affect mine. But it was, it was as someone whose game of the year is God of War, it was cool to see, well, maybe it's God of War. You'll just have to read my top 10 list when Uh-oh. I post it in April. <laughs> but yeah, it was cool to see. It was a self-validation, I guess, that God of War won. I, I, I was rooting for that game. Also... um. The best esports gamer, which is not a category I care about whatsoever. No. The winner was Sonic Fox, who I, again, would not care so for whatsoever. Never heard of him. But the cool thing, because he went up to accept his award. Yeah. He is black, gay, and he's a furry. Like, he dresses up like a blue fox. Yeah. So... It was just like a, and like he had a, just an adorable acceptance speech. Yeah, he was so like, excited, man. There was, there was like just the nervousness and the naivety and the excitement of it was just very cute. And he made several comments just about like how cool it was that a black gay furry was now winning an award. And I feel like that just shows a lot of progression in this industry that someone like that is, um, like lauded and not like marginalized. Right. So that's just, just a cool side note. I, cause I didn't watch it live and it was like a four hour stream. So I watched it after the fact, mostly cause I wanted to see the announcement. So I fast forwarded through a lot of like talking heads and interviews and awards and stuff, but I specifically made sure I wanted to watch his acceptance speech cause people were talking about it online and it was good. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, just like Google Sonic Fox game awards acceptance speech is cute. Yeah. Good for him, man. So, game announcements. We'll just go chronologically throughout the show here. So, first trailer that we saw in the like pre-show is for a game called Journey to the Savage Planet, which is being put out by Typhoon Games uh, and 505, who's a publisher. And this, it was... The actual game isn't quite what I expected it to be from the trailer. So it's like, because they the, the developer kind of talked about it a little bit after. So it's an adventure game that's kind of like a cute, funny, uh, humorous uh, take on it. Where he described it as, you're discovering mysteries on an unexplored planet. So pretty broad. Haven't seen a ton of the game yet. But um, the trailer was certainly interesting to me. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I want to see more of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think also worth noting, 505 is publishing um, Control, the game that we saw at E3. Um, right. That kind of like Quantic Dream the Remedy. It's from Remedy. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's from Remedy. Sorry, thank you. Um, the um, Alan Wake and Quantic Break developers. Yes. Quantum Break. Quantum Break, rather. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they've also published Portal Knights, which I guess is like really popular, kind of a Minecrafty type game. Um, and they also published, unfortunately, Overkill's The Walking Dead, which... Yikes. Has been critically panned. Yes. Um, since it <laughs> Majorly. Came out. Uh, 
And then we got uh, just a fun announcement for the Stanley Parable coming to consoles. That game is awesome. You should play it if you haven't. And now you could will be able to play it on consoles. It has some like new content, alternate endings. I will 100% play through this again. Because I played through it a couple times just to like see different stuff. But I didn't like 100% everything. So And I, also it's been several years since I played it. But perfect excuse to go back to that game. Just that sense of humor is amazing. Yeah, it's written really game. well. Um, and then it, uh, I think it does some really clever things that kind of make fun of the industry and kind of the human experience. Right. Um, right. For sure. Yeah. And then we got a announcement trailer for among trees, which just seems kind of like an ambient to use the phrase, not in a degrading way, but like a walking simulator type game. Yeah, it seems um, like it might have some kind of survival elements. And, yeah. And maybe more like a it, kind of light adventure game, light survival. Right. Elements. It, it seems pretty slow paced, like pretty ambient, which made me feel like maybe you're, it's just like a firewatch style experience yeah what really stood out to me was the visual style it looks like a modern animated disney movie where there's that element of like classic animation to it but it's very fluid the way like princess and the frog is you know what i mean like a modern high-tech disney movie that's still classically animated which is really really unique and cool um, and that uh, comes into Steam Early Access in 2019. That's funny. If you Google search Among Trees, it uh, Among Trees Firewatch is <laughs> one of the Google funny search results. Uh, that's cool. Uh, and then we got a surprise announcement of Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Yeah, which that is was one of my biggest takeaways. I fucking I, loved that game. Like 1 and 2. Yeah, they're good. This doesn't look good to me, though. And part of it, maybe, is just the animation and the visual style seems super kitty. Like it looks like it just looks like a mobile game, in its style. Well, I'm assuming they took a lot of maybe their uh, source materials, like animations and designs and stuff, from that like Marvel card-based right. whatever mobile game. I wouldn't yeah, be surprised maybe. if a lot of that stuff was being repurposed. Um, I mean, it looks like... I don't know. It, it, it looks like Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 if it came out four years ago? Four or five years ago? You yeah. know, more closely to the release of 2. Um, yeah. It definitely doesn't look like a modern game. But if it's similar to the experience of 1 and 2 or at least evokes that pretty well, then I'm on board for it. I'm very fascinated by the fact that this is exclusive to Switch. Yeah. like That was the biggest surprise. Nintendo, like, they don't do a ton of third-party exclusives, so that's just really interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, if, if there's going to be an exclusive, it's going to be a game that where the community was built on couch co-op. Uh, and so this game yeah. is very much couch co-op heavy. And then with like the Joy Cons and stuff, it seems it's it'll be very easy and accessible to get people together to play it. Um, like you don't have to well, buy a bunch of still, controllers. It's it's I mean it's still superheroes, which is a very kid friendly type thing. So Nintendo consoles, even you know Nintendo consoles, a lot of times are also for people like us that grew up playing Nintendo, but they're also for younger people. Right. So it seems like it kind of hits both markets pretty well. So I guess that makes sense. It's just weird, like. To see a Nintendo Switch exclusive that isn't a Nintendo game. Right. Doesn't happen very often. 
uh, we got a announcement trailer for Far Cry New Dawn, which had leaked before the Game Awards, but we didn't quite know what it was. So this is it's Far Cry in the post apocalypse. Just the post-apocalypse, not post-post or post-post-post-post-apocalypse. So this is a direct continuation of what happens in Far Cry 5, which I didn't play. I saw people online that were complaining about the way this was announced because the dude came out and said, like, hey, as you all know, at the end of Far Cry 5, nukes dropped on Montana. And people were like, spoiler alert for Far Cry 5. And I want to be like, I mean, it's been out for a long time, dude. It's your fault. (laughs) Well, I mean, like a year, right? Or did it come out early 2018, maybe? Or did it come out in 2017? I don't remember. But anyway, just funny aside, people were complaining about a spoiler for a game that isn't new. Uh, So, yeah, the nukes hit. And it looks like it still takes place in the U.S., uh, but it's been several years, and so you're kind of... It looks like you're playing as two twin women. That was the vibe I got from the trailer. I, I know there's gameplay out there. I haven't yeah, been able to watch it yet. I couldn't tell if you so were playing as them or they were the some villains? of the villains. Yeah, I, I feel like in the first person... Because one of them was wearing, like, um, like motocross gear. And in the first person, it looked like I saw motocross gear. It was not which might clear. Be a coincidence. It was not very clear. It wasn't which is right. It wasn't clear. bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, the, I mean, the aesthetic of it feels very like the Rage, Rage 2 stuff is. <laughs> it's where like it's they like really saw over the Rage the top 2 announcement and were like, yeah, we could probably do that. <laughs> yeah. what, what's the color so, of, the, of the nuclear wasteland? Bright pink. Got it. Pink, yeah. Neon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I... I I barely touched Far Cry 5, even though I wanted to play more of it. I did not touch Far Cry, or sorry, Far Cry 4, rather. I did not touch Far Cry 5, because I heard kind of mixed things about it, especially when it came to the story, which seemed to be kind of the most interesting part of it. Yeah, I was sad when they kind of seemed like they backed down. Yeah, so I'm kind of like, eh, about Far Cry, especially because they put one out like every nine months. Cause, and this is coming out February 15th. It's still just more the same, man. It's the same shit. And honestly, I don't think the guns feel... I don't think the gunplay in Far Cry has ever felt up to par with some of like the industry standard or top industry uh, games. Right. So, I mean, it's certainly not a must-buy for me. I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on it, but with so many other huge games coming out in early 2019, I mean, like Kingdom Hearts 3 is in January, Metro is coming out in February now, Anthem and Days Gone are both coming out in February now, Far Cry 3 is coming out in February, which I don't care about, but it's still a big release. Yeah. Like, Metro is actually Cry coming out March. early now. They yeah, just, they just yeah, announced February that like, yesterday or something. The same day. The same day as Far Cry uh, New Dawn. Yeah. So there are just so many games coming out in January and February that, at least at launch, I cannot imagine that I'm going to be playing New Dawn. But I hope it's good because I always want video games to be good because I would rather not be able to play a good game than not have enough games to play, if that makes sense. Yeah. We got a trailer for the new Supergiant game called Hades which is available right now in early access on the Epic's, Epic Games Store. Which is a thing is I don't also think we talked about Xbox? last episode. I think that was... Right. So yes. Epic has launched a new storefront, like a Steam competitor. Yeah. Um, and their Steam. big thing is a revenue share difference. So for Steam, I forget what the revenue split is, but for Epic Games, it's something like 80-20. I think Steam is like 70-30. 70 to developer, 30 to Steam or something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, with the option to kind of... And they actually, since Epic announced their store, Steam came out and updated a policy that said, hey, the more stuff you sell, the better your share is 
than ours. So, like, if you make a certain amount of money, then that share adjusts from then on. Um, and so Epic's, uh, their uh, revenue share is better than Steam's. And then I just saw that apparently Discord is also also has, like, some games on their thing, I guess, maybe? I just hmm. saw an article about it, and their revenue share is even better than the Epic games. So <laughs> I guess we're at that point now where uh, Steam has been, you know, the monopoly for so long that this is seems to be the way platform uh, creators are looking to combat that, which is be more friendly to the developers so the games get on there and then the customers right. will move. Uh, instead right. of making a service that has features that customers have asked for in Steam, they're choosing to get the developers over there first the and games then the people first. will follow, uh, yep. I would assume. So it's just like an interesting thing. And yeah, so there were a lot of stuff during the Game uh, uh, game Awards that said that it was coming to the Epic, Epic Game Store. Yeah. Um, so back to Supergiant, their, their game. It's called Hades. It is out now in early access, as we mentioned, on the Epic Game Store, which is pretty sweet. Um, so it is very clearly, to me, an amalgamation of assets from Transistor and Pyre, the previous two Definitely Supergiant games, like which makes sense why they were able to turn this around pretty quickly. Uh, so, I don't know. I <laughs> I really respect Supergiant because they make really, really good games. But all three of their games, Bastion, Transistor, and um, Pyre, none of them I have loved, despite really wanting to. I've yeah. played all of them. I feel the same and way. And I like, I like all of them, but there's just something about each one that I'm like, eh, you know? I, and, like, me it bums too. me out because I want to I like them more than I do. So... I still really respect them as a studio. I still oops, I still know the quality of their games is very high. So I will check out Hades, but I'm kind of going into it assuming I'm just not going to love it. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, but I, I'm going to wait till the full release to play it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's also, it seems very much like it's like a roguelike. There's a specific moment in the trailer where like he fights a dude and dies and respawns. And he's like, oh, guess I got to try again. Like it's pretty clear that they're, they're setting up what type, what style game it is. So. Right. Which I've never really been big on that genre of run based stuff. Same. So, and those are very but popular now. It is worth saying that Supergiant had, they've taken different, um, what's the word? genres of games and put unique twists on them to yeah. make them feel pretty fresh. They've done that with all of their games. So from that aspect, like, and they also develop brand new systems in each game. Like the, the pyre sports combat thing was really, really cool. That was the thing I liked the most about that game. And then in transistor, like all the different, um, uh, customizations you can make on your attacks. Like that felt really fresh from a gameplay perspective. So, I'm assuming they're going to be able to do something like that with Hades that will at least make the game feel unique, even if I don't end up loving it. But maybe I will. Hopefully I will. Um, this next on one. Side of, yeah. Go ahead. This is the one. I could never remember the name of this thing. And it was like I caught like the back half of the trailer several years ago at an E3 and... I could never remember what it was. I could never figure it out. It was like the ape game, the game with the apes where you're like, you're traveling through time and it's like the different evolutions of apes into humans and stuff. Every time mm -hmm. I talk about that to people, they're like, what the hell are you talking about? It's this <laughs> fucking game. So, which is called ancestors. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's by the dude that created assassin's creed. I'm not. A, yeah. I won't even try to pronounce his name. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> it's single player, open world survival, and like your like you're you're playing as the different species of apes that kind of um, right uh, primates, primates, really. yeah, yeah. Um, and like it, it seems like from the trailer that they showed, like you start as a single primate and then you kind of get a family, and as you evolve, kind of in a very spore-like way, you're like gaining more ability to like shape weapons like uh, like sharpen a stick to use for hunting or fighting and stuff like that um, right so it's very spore like but uh i went and i found the e3 2015 trailer that i caught the back half of those like three years ago and yeah so i feel validated <laughs> it, it looks it does exist it's still very early, obviously. Yeah. But what they showed, like, it doesn't... The game... I'm not sure, like, what the gameplay is other than hunting. Because it just right. didn't look like there was much there. But it is very early still. Yeah, so. that's why I think it's, like, a, a it's very spore-like in that as you right. hunt, you'll probably, like, get resources that you're cashing in for, like, genetic progression. Yeah, uh, maybe. That unlock new abilities and stuff would be my assumption of how it works. Uh, it's supposed to be coming out in 2019. Yeah, we'll see. It looked too early to me to be a 2019, but Same. we'll see. But if it's been in development for three yeah, years. Yeah, that's true. Since 2015. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. Uh, next, we got a trailer for Scavengers, which I think that it was like a year ago. And I thought we talked about it on the podcast, but I couldn't find it in the show notes. Um, Game Informer ran an article with this new development studio, um, uh What's Midwinter? I think they're called Midwin- Midwinter Games. Okay. Where they're former Halo and Battlefield developers that were making this new, like, coopetition game where there's a competitive aspect yeah. and a cooperative aspect. And they aspect. definitely used that buzzword coopetition. Yes, coopetition, yeah. So it, it is this game. Back then, it was just like some production stills and concept art in this news story that Game Informer ran. But now we have an actual trailer, which is a cool trailer. Like, I liked the, the structure of it. So the actual game is round-based and class-based. So, like, you formulate your team based on different classes, and um, you can work with or against other teams and your own team to, like, take down monsters, that sort of thing. And there are, like, other AI enemies that you're fighting that have weapons. Um, They're going to be starting play tests in 2019. You can sign up at scavengersgame.com. I signed up. I probably wouldn't be able to play it on my PC anyway, but who knows? Uh, so I don't know. It just it looks it looks cool. It looks like a really interesting, unique idea on a multiplayer genre. So I'm curious to see where this goes. Yeah, I should at least check it out because, as we've said thousands upon thousands of times, um, you and I don't really enjoy uh, competitive online games yeah. anymore uh, because of what they do to us or what they what we allow ourselves or what we allow them to do to ourselves <laughs> right. words. Um, we get angry. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. I'm always up for a cooperative multiplayer experience. Yes. Um, so maybe a blend of the two, depending on how it's handled, will be something I'm interested in. And it, I mean, it seems kind of similar. I mean, granted, we haven't seen the thing in action, but it seems similar in concept to the Gambit mode in Destiny 2 Forsaken, 
where you have like your team or your fighting enemies, and then you can go and also fight the other enemy, like the uh, actual player enemy teams. So that and and that has been really well received. So if this is similar in style, I could see that being successful. It's more for me like if if it's just multiplayer round based and there's no like overarching world building or story or anything. I don't know how long I would be interested in, in a game like that. Right. It seems like a cool world, though, the, the way that they've set it up. Yeah, yeah, it's like I'm a, interested. A, a, a nuclear winter-style apocalypse sort of thing. Yeah, it makes me kind of wish it was more persistent instead of round-based. Exactly. But then, yeah. you know, what really separates it from the million other winter survival monster right. multiplayer games. Right. Um, these next two, to me, were the biggest announcements, personally. Yeah. Like, that got me most excited. So, first... Crash Team Racing Remaster, baby. Fucking yes! CTR! Yes. Very excited. Comes out June 21st. It's going to have online and uh, couch co-op multiplayer. Not co-op, but couch multiplayer. Yeah, looks awesome. Same um, style as the Crash Bandicoot Inspire Remasters visually. So it looks super fresh. Like super... Um, uh, what's the word? Like... I don't know, dude. What am I trying to say? Um, I think you could say hella fresh. Yeah, okay, sure, hella fresh. Bingo. That's <laughs> that's what I was trying to find. Just like it's it doesn't look like it's high res old polygons. Right. Like they, it's from the ground new models. Up. Yeah. Yeah, that that's what I'm trying to get at. But yeah, hella fresh works as well. Yeah. Uh so yeah, super super pumped about that. And then got a trailer for this Obsidian game that we talked about last episode yes. when we were trying to figure out what it was. It's called The Outer Worlds. It looks to me more like a mix of Fallout New Vegas and Borderlands than just being their new style of Fallout game. It certainly seems to have a lot of Borderlands like humor and even the visual style is like has like an almost cell shaded look to it. Um Yeah, a little bit. It looks good. Oh, it doesn't look cell shaded, but it has a little bit of that painterly aesthetic to it. Right. It, it looks cool. Um I am so pleasantly surprised to see that it is coming to ps4 despite the fact that obsidian is now owned by microsoft yeah uh, so that that's very good thank you microsoft for doing that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i mean it's it's had the trailer had had a lot of humor to it um very fallout like world building and kind of character interactions and that kind of like irreverence that Fallout has to the way things used to be in the lore. It feels like that here. Um, just like how the way that Nuka-Cola is and stuff and Fallout, like it has that same kind of like old humor yes. uh, or humor about old things in the Outer Worlds. They have come out since and said that don't expect a Fallout-like experience in terms of size. It's going to be a smaller, more tight RPG which like that's that's fine. Yeah, that's good with me. Um, so yeah, I mean, super super pumped to see more of it. The gameplay that I've seen looks really cool. Uh, so yeah, I, I can't wait. And it's supposed to come out in 2019. So we'll see. Which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, granted, makes me wonder like, how long they've actually been working on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but yeah, I thought some of the. I don't think the trailer really did the game much of a service with the writing because a lot of the I jokes. Agree fell kind of flat fell a little bit flat yeah, yeah um in the trailer uh specifically but game informer has a gameplay session where they kind of did a behind closed doors uh they got to watch someone play through a section um and they kind of chat about that footage over it um so i would i would recommend you watch that because that's a lot more instructive because they actually like got to ask real questions about how the systems work 
um, and got to see a little bit more of the writing and how there's like for role playing purposes, you know, like in Fallout and stuff, you have the different charisma options or like intimidate and stuff like that. This has a, a dumb option where <laughs> like you could just play a total fucking meathead idiot. Um, right. And so all the lines kind of reflect that, and then people react with you like you're an idiot. And, like, the, the <laughs> companions you have with you is, like, you say something stupid, and your companion's like, don't mind the captain. He's, like, he shoots guns. He doesn't talk or something like that. <laughs> and then, like, she, uh, she, like, she's the one that progresses the rest of the conversation. It's fun little stuff like that that make me excited, make me look forward to it. Yeah. Um. All right, and then we got a really cool trailer for a new game from hello games the no man's sky developers it's called the last campfire they describe it as a short so i'm gonna assume it's a much smaller experience i got very much like rhyme journey vibes from this trailer um where it looks you know uh, the assumption is it's more about a journey of an experience versus like a lot of gameplay mechanics but it might have some um of that kind of vibe to it. It just looked cool, dude. Like it just looks like a cool trick. And like they all, the biggest thing that stood out to me. And when they first announced no man's sky, wasn't even just the procedural generation or the space or anything. It was the music. Like that was the thing that hooked me on no man's sky to, from the get go. And the music in this trailer is also really good. Yeah. So whoever chooses the music at hello games, they're good at what they do. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kara Kara's uh, watching the game uh, awards with me, and this came up, and she and I were both like, "Man, we really, really want to play that." Because when it said yeah. it was a short, I thought it was just gonna be like a fun little like video that they had for the game awards. Right. And I was like, "Man, I really want to play this," but now it seems like it is actually a game you can play, which is what mm-hmm. I want. Yep. So hopefully that comes out soon because it's a small experience. So I'd be. Really excited to see. And obviously, despite all of the bad things that were around No Man's Sky, the way they've supported the game has been awesome. And obviously, you can't take away the idea, how amazing the idea of that game was. The procedural generation and exploration was really well conceived. Maybe not as well executed. But point being, I would be excited to see what other games these guys and girls work on in terms of like what ideas they come up with for, for future video games. Right. New game coming from the Ark Survival developers yeah. called Atlas, which is an open world survival MMO where they said there can be 40,000 players on a server at a time, which I'm going to assume is a lot. That's I a, don't play MMOs. That's a fucking lot, dude. But I think that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and they said, I think that the world is 1200 times larger than an arc survival server is i think that was this the statistic they gave which also seems like it's probably pretty big uh yeah the, the arc island is very large the the vibe of this that i got was kind of like a combo sea of thieves and monster hunter where there's like you know it's very piratey where you're trying to get a crew you have ships you know all that kind of stuff but there are giant monsters that you fight dragons and sea monsters and a bunch of other things. So I don't know. It seems cool. The visual style looked very sea of thieves as well. It was kind of like cutesy, funny almost, um, which it didn't connect with me like a ton, but and also I'm not really an MMO person, but this seems like a pretty ambitious project. Yeah. And, like, I mean, cool Ark was really ambitious and they did some yeah. like, really phenomenal stuff with that game. Um, over, and it was obviously time. incredibly successful. Yeah, it was. Um, 
so this is like not an evolution of that game. This is like an evolution upon evolutions for that game. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I have to find out what's going on with it. Like I have to try it just to see what's what. I have a feeling I'm going to wait a while because it's going to be mm. a big old broken mess at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first arc was anyways. But uh, arc was really, really good. Like taming the dinosaurs, riding them, using them, like upgrading them, keeping them fed, building you know, these crazy bases. And they added all this cool endgame content with these huge monsters to fight and stuff. Just like crazy amounts of upgrading and a lot of customization on the server settings as well. Uh, which was uh, appealing. I don't know how much of that you'd be able to do in this since it's, you know, kind of uh, a large MMO. Um, right. I, I don't know if they would allow private servers or not, but, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, and then we got a little teaser for the new Dragon Age game, which we kind of knew, like, at least Casey Hudson said, hey, you're going to hear about Dragon Age in December, and we made the assumption, which was pretty obvious, that we would see it at the Game Awards, and we did. It was just a teaser. Like, it didn't show anything. It had hashtag the Dread Wolf Rises at the end. Don't know if that's, like, the subtitle or what. Um, what it shows, I did, like, a little bit of research because I'm not, like, hardcore in Dragon Age lore. Yeah, me neither. So I did a little research. The voice you hear in the trailer is Solas, who was part of the Inquisitor's team in Dragon Age Inquisition. He's the high elf who, like, goes evil at the end. Whatever, like, MacGuffin they're chasing, he takes it and becomes a bad guy. And I guess in one of the DLCs, which I didn't play, you confront him again about that. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not, like, a Dragon Age person, lore person. But that is him. So it's probably safe to assume that he's the villain of this game, which also assumes that this is a direct continuation of the events of Dragon Age Inquisition. Although it could be, like, way after. He is an elf, after all. But, uh... Yeah, I, I don't know. I it's we you, we didn't see much. Like this isn't much to go on. We have no idea when the game's going to come out because obviously Anthem's still coming out in February. This could be a 2020 game. They don't or even have a, a 2021 game. game. Yeah, yeah. It just hashtag the Dread Wolf Rises. So who knows? Um, I, I will play a new Dragon Age, but I can't really say anything more than that right now. Uh, okay. So here's another like cool little announcement. A game called The Pathless, which is by the folks that made Abzu, which was a very good game. And again, it seemed much like the um, the last campfire. It seems more another like one of those games, like Journey, like Abzu, where it's kind of about this journey that you're going on. And there are some different gameplay mechanics throughout, some a little bit of puzzle solving, a little bit of platforming, but kind of more light gameplay. And it's more about this ambient story that's being told. So just given the fact that it's by the folks that made Abzu... I'm down. Like, this is one of those games where, like, yeah, okay, I will play this when it comes out. Right. And we got a trailer for Stranger Things video game, which will be on Netflix, which is interesting because, obviously, they we talked about this last episode. They put Minecraft on Netflix, so now they have their own product. Uh, this will be related to season three of the show. What they showed of it didn't look good to me. Right. I don't know. It, it just... There wasn't too much to the trailer, I guess. Like, there wasn't actual real gameplay. It was just, like, quick little character interactions. It's super, like, 16-bit inspired, very old-school, isometric view. I don't know. It just... The retro vibe, I get it, because, like, it's an 80s show, so an 80s game. But this didn't really do anything for me. Um, And the Duffer Brothers, the guys that make the show, are really involved in this. They've never made a game before, so who knows how involved they are. But, I don't know. It... I like the show, so maybe I would check this out. Although I didn't really care for the second season, unfortunately. 
Um, and then big trailer for Mortal Kombat 11. A lot of people were freaking out because it's Mortal Kombat 11. I don't really care. It was a cool trailer, cool fight between Scorpion and the other guy. What's the, what's the other guy with, uh, the, with the hat? Luke Kang. Yes, the electric guy. Is that Luke Kang? I don't know. That's just a, a name that popped into my head when you said Mortal Kombat. <laughs> That's a Mortal Kombat character, isn't it? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's let's search Mortal Kombat Liu Kang. It is not. It's not Liu Kang. All right. How about uh, we're gonna search Mortal Kombat Electric <laughs> Electric Guy. All right. Raiden. Oh, that's Raiden. Duh. Yeah, I should know that. It's Raiden. Yeah. All right. Raiden. Okay. So it was Raiden and Scorpion fighting. <laughs> As you can tell, we're, we're both of us are big Mortal Kombat aficionados. Oh, yeah. So I guess that's like why we we don't really care. So it's coming out in April. Cool. Um, the music was not great. Yeah, I put a note <laughs> on here that like the the trailer started playing, and then because it was like a really weird start to the trailer. Like the trailer happened in the middle of like a uh, an award announcement. And like, yeah. and like that was like part of the bit, but yeah. like that was already weird. And then like the trailer started playing and then like this rap song started playing under the trailer. And I was like, did someone, did they play this at the wrong time? And now are they like playing multiple audio cues at the wrong time? I literally thought the same thing when that happened. I was like, what is That's going exactly on? That's exactly what I, I was like. I was like this, what's with this audio miscue here? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, they fired the trailer at the wrong time. Like the audio, yeah. like what is happening now? Like this is a big it budget event, and then like the music like stops, and then it starts up again when there's like we're, like with the trailer. I'm like, no, this is just the trailers. What the fuck is this? <laughs> this is bad. Yeah. But I don't. I'm sure people people are losing their maybe minds. people like Mortal Kombat like rap. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what the cross pollination is there. Yeah, but. seems to be some synergies there for sure. I mean, hey, Jeff likes Mortal Kombat and he likes rap. So yeah, he's the rap man. Yeah. Kids going down on the dunk. And then finally, trailer for Psychonauts 2. Yes. I never I never played the first game. Oh, so this was so kind of lost on me. Yeah. So I I mean it seems like a very like 90s adventure RPG platformer style game. A very like good one, one of those. And like right. it was very competent and also just unbelievably strange. Yes. A lot of fun personality to it, so yeah, I'll give it up for that. I just I I, I watched it and I was like, I know a lot of people love Psychonauts, so I'm sure they're excited. Having never played it, this isn't really doing anything for me, but cool that it's gonna finally come out. Yeah. I know they announced it a couple years ago. I'm really pumped because they get they did that weird VR game that I didn't play. I think it was like yes. it was PSVR or something, right? Um, yeah, I'm happy we're getting a proper sequel. All right, so news outside of the Game Awards. There's not a ton, but there are a couple big things. So I had not, I had never heard of this game until I was combing through Game Informer, and this seems like it's a really big deal. Yeah, same. so it's a game called it's a game called Hightail. It is made by High Pixel Games and Riot Games. High Pixel Games became famous because they used to make custom Minecraft maps. Yeah, they were Minecraft like one servers. of the driving forces behind like the popularization of creating Minecraft adventure maps or yeah. like they had like a lot of like really popular servers that people could hop onto with like mini games yeah. and stuff. They kind of like were the big name in that for a very long time. 
So they are making a Minecraft competitor game. It's called Hytale with, you know, Riot Games publishing it. It is, I mean, it looks like Minecraft. It looks like a slightly tweaked Minecraft. I'll say I like the look of it a little less because it's still blocky, but everything has way more detail to it. And so it just looks like low budget. Because, like, Minecraft looked intentionally simplistic in its design. Right. This looks like bad graphics. Like, they they tried to do something and didn't succeed. So, I don't know. Obviously, they're trying to ape Minecraft in some capacity, but I just didn't really like the look of it. Um, it's going to have a, a story mode with an actual story and bosses and stuff that you play. It also has the same creation mode, open world like Minecraft does, but it has an extra element where you can like create new objects and like program them and give them AI, which is really cool. I'm yeah. really curious to see like how they can make that easy to interact with. Yeah. And there's um, like cameras and like you can yeah, create, like you basically can make, make your own scenes. machinima. Yeah. Uh, and then they're going to have kind of what they were originally known for community servers, lots of mini games, that sort of thing. So this is, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me, right? Because a lot of the kids that were so hardcore into Minecraft have either kind of grown out of it and are now playing Fortnite, right? Or they're still playing Minecraft because that game is still being updated regularly. There's still tons of servers and stuff to play on. So this just seems like a weird idea. Because it's not like Minecraft is vulnerable, you know what I mean? Like, to come and steal those players away. Right. Because they've either already left for the new big game, Fortnite, or they're still playing Minecraft. It just seems odd. But it'll be really curious to see, like, or interesting to see how this develops and how, if it works. Um, I don't know. As someone that really loves Minecraft, but never plays it anymore, if I was going to go play it, I would play Minecraft. Like, this doesn't really appeal to me. I don't know. Yeah. How do you feel I mean, about I'll, it? I'll try to see what it's all about. But, um, yeah. I mean, I kind of probably feel a similar way. Like, if I'm going to play a game like that, it's going to be OG, OGMC. Right. Because, honestly, the more complicated Minecraft has gotten, the less I've liked it. And the more, like, complicated servers, like, the new, with new rule sets and blocks and mechanics, I don't like those as much. I just like the core Minecraft experience. And so this, which is like even ramping up the complexity even more, is just not what I'm looking for out of Minecraft. It's the simplicity that I enjoyed. So, anyway. Um, okay, so we've talked in the past about all the whole Telltale Games debacle with them shutting down. Skybound Games, which is the uh, publisher of the Walking Dead comic that Robert Kirping runs. Um... Them picking Telltale Game, or not Telltale, the Walking Dead game back up. We now have a release date for episode three of the final season. January 15th. They did get a lot of the old Telltale folks to come back and help make the game, which is great. And the fourth and final episode will be coming after episode three, obviously. So, cool that they're going to finish it and that they were able to employ these Telltale folks for a little bit longer. Yeah. As someone that fell off of the Telltale games a while ago, like I, I'm not super interested in seeing this. I mean, I never even finished season two of The Walking Dead. so. But I'm glad that they were able to at least finish the story because I know a lot of people really cared about it, seeing it through to its conclusion. Yeah, I finished season two. I think that's when I stopped. I have the next season. Yeah, I think I have that and the Michonne side story. I, d- I, I did think play I have all Michonne. Those. Um, yeah, I have a new frontier, uh, that I need okay. to play. And then I think it's the final season after that. Right. Um, okay. So this is an interesting one. 
So Glenn Schofield, who used to be a producer at uh, EA Visceral, so he worked on Legacy of Kane. He was one of the producers on the first Dead Space. My man. He, yeah, he's he. I mean, that game is very good. He left to go join um, Activision and started Sledgehammer Games, which became the third Call of Duty studio. So they made Modern Warfare Three, Advanced Warfare, Advanced Warfare, and World War Two, which I think were all bad Call of Duty games, <laughs> for what it's worth. <laughs> uh, Modern Warfare Three was good. No. The story was fine. Like, the story was bombastic and crazy. I did not like the multiplayer. Oh. I thought it was a big step back from Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, so after that, him and the other dude, I don't remember his name, that they kind of started Sledgehammer Games, they got elevated to being part of Activision Corporate, so overseeing a lot of different games. And that just happened earlier this year. Well, Glenn Schofield has just left Activision. So he's he says he's taking a break, and then he's going to do something on his own. So this is only really newsworthy just because I think he's good. <laughs> like, he has done a good job with the stuff that he's done. And despite what I think about those mediocre Call of Duty games, still starting a studio and being acquired by Activision and working on Call of Duty means that there was an element of success following him for sure. So I would be curious into whatever he would do next, assuming it's in games, if he's going to start a new studio or, or what. It would just be something interesting to watch. Yeah. So... Going back to the Game Awards, um, there was a moment at the beginning of the show where Sean Layden, uh, Phil Spencer, and Reggie fils all got on stage together and did like a little intro. It was I pretty canned. I thought they were going to announce true cross-play. Cross cross-play. Yeah. Of course, that's yeah. not what it was. Right. Uh, it was a pretty, like, it was cool to see all of them on stage at the same time, and their whole thing was like, hey, video games are great. We all love them. Let's work together. But, like, it was pretty, like, overly rehearsed and i just it, it felt very corporate to yeah me. i totally. didn't really i didn't really get anything out of it but anyway phil spencer and reggie fils came back onto the show and talked to jeff Keeley about like hey uh, what nintendo is doing what xbox is doing notable omission was that sean Layden from playstation did not talk to jeff Keeley during the show playstation did not announce anything at the show nintendo and microsoft did plus playstation is not at a3 next year they did not do PSX this year. So there's like nervousness. And we t we've talked about this of like, what is PlayStation doing? Are they just kind of shutting down and waiting for PS5? Like games that they have announced next year. Like we have Days Gone coming next year. Um, oh, there's one other big PlayStation release. Because like The Last of Us Part Two is supposed to come out in 2019. But there's no release date. Right. If they're going to launch PS5 in 2020, which is the rumor... Could they wait and move Last of Us Two to the PS? Like that's that's just that those are rumors that are happening because nobody at Sony has come out and said, "Here's our plan. This is what is happening. We're still making games." Blah blah blah. So there's been nervousness about that. Doubled down with the fact that their competitors are saying those things and did say those things at the Game Awards. All that to say, some like. Twitch streamer tweeted at Sean Layden and said, Hey, just want to let you know, like, we're all really bummed that you guys weren't at the Game Awards. You didn't announce anything. There's nervousness about no E3, no PSX. Like, what's going on? And Sean Layden replied to that tweet and said, See you in the new year. Obviously, that doesn't confirm anything, but hopefully, that means they're going to have some announcement or some event in the first couple of months of 2019 where they'll show us what the future of PlayStation is. Because at this point, like, 
we know we're getting Horizon Zero Dawn 2. We know we're going to get a sequel to the Spider-Man game. We know we're going to get another God of War game. Like, we know that these new franchises will continue. But when is that going to happen? Is it going to happen on PS4? When's the PS5 going to come out? What is the future? Like, we just don't know any of that. And we need to. As a as a PlayStation consumer, I'm very worried. Because I don't want PS5 to come out in 2020. No. I don't want it to launch that soon. Because, like, I get it. The PS4 and the Xbox One, like, the reason they came up with the Pro and the X was because those consoles weren't quite as powerful as they could have been. And the new hard drive space on those new consoles, the, the updated versions was good. But, like, I just bought a PS4 Pro a couple of months ago. Right. I'm not That's really looking I'm to spend at. another... Like, yeah. Their cone of silence that they've had around themselves and, like, going forward for a little bit at least... Has me like, I would go out and buy a PS4 Pro, but I need to know what's happening next. Like, I need to know, hey, is the PS5 going to be 2020? It's going to be 2021. Like, I need to know it's not going to be right around the corner right. for me to spend any more money with them. Because that's kind of where I am for um, buying an Xbox. Right. Because, like, there, there are enough games that it's probably worth me buying an Xbox. I don't really want to buy an X because I don't want to spend $400. No. But I extra don't want to go buy it. like Because, you know, I can get an Xbox One S bundle for like 200 bucks, Right, with some like, games. Yeah, that's that's worth it. And and I'll spend, you know, $100, $200 on game. I'll probably get the Game Pass and be able to play most of it. So, like, that would be worth it for me at this point in my life. I can afford it and I want to play those Xbox games. But... If Xbox is going to launch a new console in a year or two, then no, I don't want to go spend that money. Right. So we just need to know what's going on at this point. We're at that back part of the life cycle where all the rumor mongering starts and we just need answers is basically what it is. All right. So moving out of the world of video games into the world of movies, got a new trailer for Avengers. Quote unquote, Infinity War Part 2, which is now called Avengers Endgame, which is a pretty generic name for the movie. So I know you're Hopefully like. Hopefully, this is the end game of all of the Marvel movies. <laughs> it won't be the end of all of them, but it probably will be the end for all of the big characters. Like this will probably be the end for Iron Man and Captain America and Thor, is my guess. Um, Captain Marvel comes out next year, so we would assume that we'll get another one of those. We're, we know we're going to get another Black Panther. Um, they've talked about now doing. Um, Oh, shit. I don't remember the character's name. But he's an Asian superhero about doing a movie for that character. So, like, in introducing him and that, that sort of thing. So, like, I would see more Marvel movies. But in, like, this big story that has lasted the last ten years, this seems like it's the end of that. Because they, Marvel, they've done their phases, right? So, we're in the end of phase four, moving into phase five. I would look at this, hopefully, as, like, this is the end of what is really phase one. Like... The big Marvel story is going to be over, and then they're going to start a new, a brand new Marvel thing. That would be my hope. I know you're not super plugged in, so I'm going to assume you didn't really care about the trailer. Correct. The biggest thing for, like, I want to see it all end. That matters to me. I'm invested. The coolest thing to me was seeing Hawkeye as Ronan. So in the comics, there's a whole thing where, like, dark shit happens. I know you hate Hawkeye. Don't give that face. I love Hawkeye. But he becomes... You don't like hot. You don't like Jeremy Renner's yeah. Hawkeye. 
where he becomes Ronin in the comics for a while, who's he's a much more like dark anti-hero character. And there's very clear, like he's in his Ronin garb. There's a whole scene with Black Widow where she talks to him. And he like turns around and it's like all mad looking. I wonder My if his guess, wife and kid are still alive. Bingo. So the whole Thanos snap, that's exactly my assumption, is that what triggers him to do this is his wife and kid die. So that's cool. I think that's cool. Like, so, that's a good justification to change the character. What is it? Thanos wiped out, it was like half of all life? Half. Yes. And Jeremy Renner didn't fucking die? Are you kidding me? I know, it's a bummer, right? It was hey, the Paul biggest fucking that's cosmic good. coin flip, and it still landed bullshit up. So I watched, so, do you know the YouTube channel CinemaSins? Uh, I know of it. So he does videos that are called Everything Wrong With Movie Title. Okay. And he nitpicks everything to death. And it's all done with a sense of humor. None of it's, like, legit. He's not saying any any of these movies are bad. But he points out little plot holes, stupid things, tropey things. And so he recently posted his Everything Wrong With Avengers Infinity War. And I already remember what my point was going to be. Damn it. Oh, it was it was a really cool thing. So Thanos does the finger snap, right? To get rid of half of the universe's population. And he does so because the universe is overpopulated. His point was, wouldn't it have been really cool if Thanos included himself in the finger snap? We're not like he decided to kill himself with it. But part of that power that he had to do this was saying that 50-50 coin flip chance, I'm included in that. I, it, like, this whole getting rid of half of the universe's population is so important to me. I'm willing to be one of that half that gets destroyed. That would have been really, really cool. Even if it didn't happen, but if he made some comment about that, that would have been a really cool character thing, I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess they never... Uh, did they ever say that he wasn't part of it? No. But they never no, went out like, of the way to say he was. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't just assume that he, he was included in it just because, like... That wouldn't make sense. But anyway, just as a, just as an aside, that would have been a really cool character thing for, for Thanos. Uh, so, Avengers Endgame, it looks really dramatic. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be. Like, I watched Infinity War like not that long ago on Netflix. I mm-hmm. still don't remember who died. I, I, Pretty much Spider-Man's new, dead, right? Pretty much all the new heroes. Like, okay. all of the original guys lived. Iron Man lived. Black Widow lived, Thor lived, Hulk lived, um, Ant-Man lived because he was in, oh, in the, trailer, the like right. in the quantum realm. Hawkeye lived. I think that's it. Because Doctor Strange is gone. I don't remember. I think Black Panther's gone. Spider-Man's gone. Like all. Oh, uh, Rocket Raccoon lived because like all the other Guardians are gone. Right. That's so, yeah. fucked up. The Guardians are the only yeah. ones I really care about. I know, right? And that's the biggest bummer because of the whole James Gunn thing. We right. probably won't ever get a Guardians Volume 3. It sucks. Stupid Disney. Stupid internet, really, is what yes. it is. See? Going back See? to that one. Get yep. off of social media. Yep. And there, not to get into this, too, but there's a whole thing. So Kevin Hart was going to host the Oscars this year. I don't like Kevin Hart. So I don't really care that he isn't hosting Oscars. But the reason he is not anymore is because after they announced that he was, someone dug through 10 years of tweets and found some old tweet that he made that was really insensitive. And so they, the academies came out and said, hey, Kevin, you need to apologize for this. 
And he was like, yo, guys, I've apologized for this. Multi- like, this was like 10 years ago. I apologized for this years and years ago, multiple times. I'm not going to apologize again. I'm going to quit as the host of the Academy Awards. So from there, I had a lot of respect for him to like stick to his guns and not give in to the internet monster. Yeah. But then even after he quit, he apologized again. Because uh. I'm sure his publicist was like, hey, I know this is the what you think is the right thing to do, but it's bad for your image. And so he listened and apologized anyway. So the little bit of respect I gained for Kevin Hart, he lost. But again, Bummer. it's just like the internet. Why? Why? How bored and sad are you with your life that you need to comb through decade-old tweets to try to make someone look bad? Imagine if everyone did that to everyone. I would be terrified of the tweets people would find that I tweeted. Yeah. I totally tweeted some insensitive stuff. I see in my like time hop app, or like an old Facebook post from when I was in high school, where I'm like, oh, just saw this movie. It was pretty gay. Like it meaning it was bad. Right. Because and like I would never say that now. That's terribly offensive. I didn't I know, it's not it's a bad excuse, but like I didn't know better. I didn't know that it like to, to my definition of the word gay was that it was lame. Like, that's just what the word meant to me and to all of my friends. That doesn't make it okay, but it's not It's it's not like me saying that movie was gay in 2004 when I was 14 years old is not the same as me 30 years old in 2018 saying that movie is gay. Context matters. That's the end of the story. Yeah. In 2004, if you had said, this movie is as bad as homosexuals, that's different than saying this movie is gay. One hundred percent. Those are two very different statements that people take to right. be the same thing by today's standards, and they're just not. Or like if I, if in two thousand and nine I tweeted out I hate black people, that would probably still be a bad thing to tweet in two thousand nine. Like then I get it, right? But like it's not. It's not the same. <laughs> this other stuff is not the same. Okay, moving on. So. We've talked about the Star Wars Mandalorian show that's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, we got like a couple knew production that, stills of it. Yeah, and, and we knew that Pedro Pascal had been announced to be in it. The assumption was he was going to play the lead character, the, the titular, the Mandalorian. Guess what he is? And we also got the rest of the cast, and it's really freaking good. Yeah. So Gina Carano, who I could take her leave. I think she's like a WWE or maybe UFC fighter. I don't remember. Oh. But she's like a... So she was in Deadpool 2. She played the, like, really buff I have chick. not seen Deadpool 2. Well, whatever. So she's not an actress, but she's, like, a badass fighter person. So if that's her character, that's totally fine. Also in The Mandalorian are Giancarlo Esposito, who played the bad guy in Breaking Bad Season 3, who was phenomenal. Uh, Carl Weathers from Predator fame. Now you got a stew going. Yeah. Anyone reference? <laughs> Werner Herzog, who is a, a documentarian director, but he has probably the best voice of all time. Even better. Well, yes, the best voice of all time. I will say it. Werner Herzog. Go watch his documentaries where he does narration. It's so, so good. Uh, and Nick Nolte, who is, you know, very famous actor and Emily Swallow, who I didn't know, but I figured you would Kyle. Cause she played Amara and the darkness on supernatural. Um, they're one in the same Shay. Amara is the darkness, but yeah. Okay, so cool. yes, she was fine in it. I mean, they didn't really have her do anything particularly challenging. Um, yeah. she was like 
this you know, this primordial force that was right. that had a human form and like I don't know how you properly embody that, but <laughs> she did what she needed to do, and she was well. Fine. I mean, liquid takes on the form of its container, Kyle. Like it's pretty easy to embody it. No, taking on the form of something is not the same as embodying it, Shay. It's, it was just a joke. I know. I'm not playing along. <laughs> so the biggest thing really is Pedro Pascal, Giancarlo Esposito, and Werner Herzog. I think Nick Nolte. I really Super like pumped. Nick Nolte. Yeah, Nick Nolte's a great actor, absolutely. But in terms of like hype, sure. It was those three names made me pretty excited about it. And then finally, The Punisher season two is happening. And I can't believe because I forgot that The Punisher season one happened. Because we've been talking about, hey, all these Marvel shows that are getting canceled on Netflix. Iron Fist got canceled. Luke Cage got canceled. Daredevil Season 3 got canceled just like a month after it aired. And we were talking about, hey, Jessica Jones has to be next, right? Because that show sucks ass. And I (laughs) didn't even remember that The Punisher was a show. So we're getting Season 2, which is unbelievable. It's coming out in January. And I bet you it gets canceled like a month after it airs. Yeah. Um, I was actually, because I was not excited about The Punisher Season 1 before it came out. Because I'm not a big fan of the main actor. But um, mm-hmm. I actually wound up enjoying it uh, yeah, for, it was for good. what it was. So I'm down to watch the season two. Compared to the other Marvel Netflix shows, which, like, Iron Fist was boring. Yeah. Luke Cage was really boring. And Jessica Jones was actively terrible. And The Defenders wasn't even good. So when compared to the other stuff, The Punisher was amazing. It just, Daredevil is actually amazing. Correct. It's just comparatively, The Punisher was really, really good. Uh my assumption is the reason we have not had a cancellation for Jessica Jones is because they're already working on season three. So they've already signed that deal. So they'll release season three and, and then, then cancel they will it. cancel it. That would be my assumption. So back, back to Punisher comes out in January, no specific release date, but it was included. So Netflix does their monthly like, Hey, what's new on Netflix? And they showed Punisher season two as part of that announcement. Cool. And everybody was like, wait, what? <laughs> so no official date, but it is coming uh, in January. Before we wrap up, since we are now, the next episode will be released on December 31st. So, want to have a quick conversation. What games do you need to finish before the end of the year? Or, like, want to finish? Because it's going to be impossible. Because I have a lot. I know you also have a lot. Yeah. What's on your list? I haven't played any of Spyro yet, which I really okay. want to. I just, for some reason, every every day, I've been getting home at 6 p.m. every day. So, like... I wake up at 6.30 in the morning, I go work a full day at school, and then for the, our winter play, I've been having rehearsals with groups of kids, like, from 3 to 6. So then I get home late, I eat, because I have to eat something, mm-hmm. and then I'm just on the couch. I play my 20 minutes of Animal Crossing, and then it's like 7, 7.30, and that's like too late to start playing a game, so I just sit there and... Right. talk to my wife and we watch youtube and then we go to bed <laughs> so that's what i've done every day so at some point i'm i need to play spyro um i need to play fallout more fallout 76 i really want Same. to jump back in and play more of it uh, yeah. i just have not just haven't yeah had the time or the gumption and then um i got mutant year zero road to eden which is okay. that, like xcom like um game where it's kind of like a a wastelandy, but mixed with with a beyond good animals. and evil, like talking animals. Yeah. Um. With and then with XCOM combat. Um. 
I've, I've heard good things. Yeah, I've heard it's very I'm, hard, so I will be playing it okay. on the easiest difficulty, which I think is gotcha. just normal. Um, and I think I'm going to try and play that on the Steam Link with a controller out my okay. uh, living room. Um, I got Starlink on Switch, just the digital version of it. Um, and uh, my wife and I need to try playing some of that. And I still have Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. I mm. am in Cerulean City, about to face the bridge of dudes. Yep. Um, and that's kind of where I stopped. I just need to remember to go back to it. And then we also got Katamari Reroll, which my wife has played. I have not played yet. Um, okay. But Katamari, like, we talked about it earlier. Fucking. That game was so good. And It is. Like, and game of the... My game of the year will probably be Katamari Reroll. And music of the year, Katamari Reroll. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, what's going to be tough is there's no way I'm going to be in a spot to talk about my game of the year next episode. Right. So if you will, if you feel like you're going to be in a spot to have like your favorite games, we can definitely dive into yours, but mine's going to have to wait until probably end of January, end of February, unfortunately. Yeah. Just because I have too much stuff to play, like where I feel like I have to play it, because I, you know, I started Assassin's Creed, so need to keep going in that. Need to play the third Spyro game, um, but I know I'm gonna enjoy that, so I feel like I have a pretty good vibe for it. Like you, I need to dive back into Fallout 76. I want to try Pokemon Quest because I never played it when it came out yeah, on Switch, yeah, yeah. and I know it was kind of like up and down, but I at least want to like see what it is. So I need, I want to put a little bit of time into that. But the big ones, they're like the big four: Guacamelee two. Which I freaking love the first game, so I really want to play this. I know I'm going to love it. Banner Saga 3, which sucks because I'm going to have to play it on PC because I played the first two on PC. But I love the story in those games, and I like want to see the conclusion of this. And they follow me on Twitter, so I feel like obligated to, to talk about the game <laughs> and play it. Um, uh, I want to play Pokemon Let's Go. I put that on my Christmas list. I've been like in and out of wanting to play it, but I know I'm gonna. It's a good it's time. It's, it's, it's I, a like, feel-good experience like looking at the way you capture pokemon just like that's so not what i want to be doing to capture a pokemon yeah but like all the animation and like the sound design all the music all that stuff is really really solid and all the quality of life like being able to swap pokemon out on the go um a lot of good quality of life things that are okay and then i uh got dead cells so okay. a lot of people really love Dead Cells. I have $170 worth of PlayStation Store credit from when I traded in my PlayStation 4 to GameStop. Right. I put it all on a PlayStation Network card. Oh, so it was man. on sale. It was on sale from like down, I think it was down from 30 to 20 or something. And I was like, yeah, fine, I'll buy it. So I need to play that now. I doubt I'm going to love it just because I don't like roguelikes, but people love the game so much. I feel like I need to give it a chance. It's just, I mean, I honestly don't know why I do it because... I'm not go- like I don't go into the game wanting to not like it, but with my tastes, I know I won't. But I still do it because that's what happened with Red Dead Two. Like looking at everything, I'm like I appreciate everything this game is. I get why people love it. I don't care about it, and yet I still went out and spent sixty dollars and bought it and played it and didn't like it. And I just get annoyed at myself for doing that. But I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna be able to get rid of that cycle anytime soon. some of those feelings would go away if you were no longer on facebook <laughs> and no longer seeing people post about playing them you're not wrong but i feel like i mean i talk not for a living because i don't make money doing this but i talk about video games a lot to the public 
I have a website. I have a podcast. I'm on Twitter. I feel like I should be up on at least most of the big releases that come out. There are certain genres like fighting games, racing games. I'm not going to touch those at all just because I don't care about any of them. But there's a chance that I could have really liked Red Dead. And there's a chance that I could really like Dead Cells. I liked um, I liked Rogue Legacy pretty decent. I liked Shovel Knight, which I know wasn't a roguelike, but it was the same kind of uh, side-scrolling combat game. So there, there have been exceptions. Just don't know if this is going to be one of them. Okay. No hate of the week this week. We'll call our intermittent internet rants about the internet the hate of the week. So stop being bad, internet. Shame on you. Boom. Hate of the week. Hate of the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, no emails this week. So if you have an email, send it to info at shayhateseverything.com. Or you can tweet at me at Shay underscore castle or on the Facebook page slash Shay hates everything. And we'll wrap up with something that we don't hate. So I will say, and I talked about this a little bit. I teased it last episode. I don't hate that I'm starting a new job in January. Nice. Yeah. I'm getting out of healthcare and I feel really good about it. Um, I'm nervous, obviously, just because it's like going to be a bunch of new stuff. We are moving a little bit farther north, a little bit farther out of Atlanta, and my new job will be farther into Atlanta. So my commute is going to go from the 15-minute commute I've had for the past two years to being probably an hour each way, which really sucks, but that's what happens when you live in Atlanta. Like, that is life. I have been exceptionally lucky. That is not the norm, so I am now going to be part of the norm, which sucks. But the silver lining is I'll actually be able to keep up with the giant bomb casts and the Adventure Zone podcast, because yes. I'll actually have a legit commute now. <laughs> yeah. That's the only good thing. I'm, I'm staying positive. That's good. Um, so today, I don't hate that I only have one more week of work this year. I get two weeks oh, right. off. Uh, yeah. So come back second week in January. So And this week of work is a really easy week, because the kids in my room, the special needs room, they're only there for a day and a half. They leave halfway through Tuesday, because the people in my room help administer... Um, tests to kids who need um, extra accommodations, um, right. like a reader or you know someone to monitor, um, or small group settings. So uh, we do that the rest of the week. So pretty easy week for me, which looking forward to it. I need it. Nice. I need, I need an easy week. <laughs> uh, and then the final thing I'll mention, so I've complained about myself a lot lately of how I've not been engaged on my website. And I'm, you know, we're still doing the podcast, obviously, in the show notes, but I haven't really been writing much. I got back on the horse, and I finally wrote my review for Insomniac's Spider-Man game. I know it's not a new release, but it is a game I had a lot of opinions about and wanted to put them out. And so I wrote my, like, standard 1,600-word review that I always <laughs> write, which is part of the reason why I don't write as much, is because when I do, it's huge. But um, that will be posted by the time this uh, episode goes live. I'm also working on my Fantastic Beasts Crimes of Grindelwald review, which won't be up by the time this episode is up, but it should go up within the next week. So just check out shadeseverything.com for some actual new written content. Hooray. And then also the show notes for this episode will be there with all the links to the news stories we discussed. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And Kyle, thank you for joining, as always. And we'll see you guys in the next episode at the end of 2018, the end of all things. Peace out.